and welcome to a very special, probably maybe least chill ever, bonus episode <laughs> of Into the Aether. It's a low-key, maybe, asterisk, video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Uh, and joining and us... Okay. Oh, shit! <laughs> oh, Whoa, sorry. oh, shit. <laughs> least <laughs> chill, <laughs> least... <Yeah. laughs> do you guys want to do that over? <laughs> no, no actually. I loved it. <laughs> great. Confident. Hi. I'm Alana. I have been on this show once before and I'm apparently so entitled that I decided to introduce myself before I was <laughs> No, that was awesome. Whenever we have guests, usually there's like that moment of pause of like, who is going to introduce them? How are we going to do it? And you're like, I'm here. Yeah, I'm, the, I'm oh, yeah no. what always yeah. happens, Stephen and I lock eyes and wonder which one of us is going to do it. And I'm glad you just <laughs> sniped that experience. That was fucking awesome. Wow. And this was vaudeville. We like both peeped out of the curtain and you smashed our heads together and go, it's my show now. Hit it, boys. <laughs> and I'm like sitting in a martini glass somehow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is going to be a very vaudeville episode, I think. Anyway, uh, we're talking about Fire Emblem Awakening. For the Nintendo 3DS Entertainment System, 2013? I think 2012. 2012. Was it 2012? I think yeah. it was 2012. World. I want to check this. My mm-hmm. bet. I'm not going to second guess you. Because you honestly have become like my go-to point for Fire Emblem questions in the interim between Three Houses <laughs> and now. You mean in like the 14 months I've been playing Fire Emblem games? Glad you Yeah, it. <laughs> it's been a powerful 14 months. But I'm going to guess worldwide. Okay, I'm right. It was worldwide 2012 and then uh, international. No, excuse me. Japan 2012, internationally 2013. Got it, got so it. we're both okay. correct. Love to both be right. I'm very excited to have Alana on because Alana has, as Stephen just mentioned, become the like, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe your your relationship with Fire Emblem and how it's grown like rapidly and maybe in an out of control way since the release of Three Houses. But it has been just a dream and a joy <laughs> to watch. You become real life Rhea, I guess. You're the head of the church of Saros now Take in real that life. Back. Yeah, is that good? <laughs> <laughs> I think two of the routes end with her dying a horrible death, Stephen. Being a real bitch. <laughs> You're not like Rhea at all. I'm just trying to think of who is the most important in the lore, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Cool, cool. <laughs> but no, yeah, I feel like I, uh, if you had told me even 13 months ago that I would even care about this thing called Fire Emblem, which had been sort of like in my consciousness, but not like something I ever took seriously, I'd be like, what are you talking about? And now it's like, I talk about it all the time. Like, I find ways to bring it up with friends who like just don't even care about video games, let alone <laughs> Fire Emblem. And they'll be like politely smiling and nodding and be like, so you're in your 30s, right? And it's like, yeah, <laughs> these are my friends and they're real. <laughs> they're real. I mean, you're not alone, though, because I feel like the game that this show is probably sold the most copies of is Fire Emblem Three Houses. And like, I feel like anyone I know who has gotten into that game, it's not just like a, oh, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Thanks for the recommendation. It's like, I have another life now. You know, I have like another extension of myself that has gotten to know these characters as if they're real people, which is kind of cool. I mean, you know, it's, I I think that there's nothing to be ashamed of there because it's a very well-written and great time. But anyway, I would love to open this episode with, you know, well, as we're kind of already getting into, I'd love to talk about like all our respective experience with the series and like how we got into it um, and how we got to Awakening specifically and how we've been enjoying that game. So I think we all have very different paths there that all end at the same point. Wow. Three houses. Yeah, there yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, I'm actually interested to hear from you first on that front because I feel like your history with, yeah, you, I feel like your Me? history with this franchise goes back way, I think further than mine at least. 
Yeah, I guess not. mine actually started in 2013 when Awakening came out. So oh, okay, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, so my time with Fire Emblem was also like weirdly similar to yours, Alana, where I had like heard of it and uh, like I had known who Marth and Roy were in Smash and Ike, right. I guess. <laughs> and I also knew the the one step further was I was a big fan of Advan- Advance Wars on the Game Boy Advance. Right, yeah. And I knew that like my few friends who picked up Fire Emblem on the Game Boy Advance were like, Fire Emblem is like Advanced Wars, but like medieval and every unit is a character. So like that sounded really cool to me, but there was never really like a proper like this is the entry point. Like unless you got that Game Boy Advance game when it came out, there was never like an obvious doorway into the series. So it was something I just sort of knew existed. I didn't even really know what genre it was even. I just sort of knew like it was kind of like Advanced Wars, but like a little bit more intense maybe. Katsu 2013, I think I had just graduated college and I picked up a three. DS and I was looking at the games to get and I remember looking at Luigi's Mansion Dark Side of the Moon or whatever it was called <laughs> or Fire Emblem Awakening. Awakening like got immediate praise like everyone like it was the first time where like there was a Fire Emblem game that came out after the Game Boy Advance one that like got like a big spotlight on it in a mainstream way. Yeah. So I had this system that I had no games for, and it just felt like, you know what? Now's the time. I I graduated college. I'm ready for Fire Emblem. Uh, Let's do it. And it was kind of an interesting time because that was like the summer after graduation. So I was still paying rent to like live on campus. I think I was finishing up a class or two or something. And like it was sort of this like weird purgatory segue between like college and my, I guess, my early adult life shortly before I moved to Chicago. So it was kind of like a very ambiguous time for me. And I was working a lot of different jobs and there were like a lot of different kind of existential like opportunities around me and really I found like a ton of comfort in the stability and like cozy ritual of awakening I was really blown away by how much I like immediately loved it because I've mentioned before that like in my time in college the the game that I played in my years in college that like really grabbed me in a similar way was Mass Effect 2 which was a game that I think was my first true experience with a game that is all about like your relationships with the characters and in a very like sincere and genuine way where by the end it felt like you had made friends and and depending on your actions you know in the story it would play out differently and I discovered that I really loved that and I think you can draw a direct line from that to my love of the Persona games and my love of Fire Emblem totally. and you yeah. know uh, even Animal Crossing to an extent um, you know I think that having a game with like sort of a malleable narrative that's like all about like your ties to the characters like I'm like I'm very fond of that when it's done well. So I was really surprised that Awakening is pretty much like that as a game. Like they've gamified <laughs> that like one mission in Mass Effect 2. So I I really loved it. And again, like I think as we'll probably discuss more in detail, Awakening is not giving you the same like fully fleshed out characters of Mass Effect or Three Houses even. They're a lot more kind of like almost allegorical where they're like, I'm the hungry one. It's almost like cats where they all just have like a thing and they've <laughs> Committed to it. Wow, we're like 10 minutes into this and you've already got to pass. Mazel tov. We all felt the connection. That's a very jellical yeah, game. Yeah, all of us. All of us. <laughs> Alon, I appreciate another Aries kind of combating me on this show. Because I think sometimes Brendan is too supportive. Ganging up on the Gemini in the yeah. room. <laughs> Both of us. Both of us. We all felt it. Yeah, it's two on two. Yeah. 
anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, I I just found that like the simple act of the permadeath, which you can turn on and off, which we'll talk about. But the fact that every mission had high stakes because these characters who I've like grown fond of, whether it's just as a unit, like this character is like good on the battlefield and like they're like my ticket to victory. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, this game does have support scenes like Three Houses. And even though they're kind of sillier, like there are some surprisingly good ones. And I think they're giving you just enough that I think the game feels like it's designed for you to fill in the blanks and to sort of role play on your own. Like they're giving you just enough material to work with that your attachment to the character is kind of unique to not only your experience playing the game, but also that specific playthrough. Uh, actually, the first time I played, I didn't know like at all what I was doing. And this game's like pretty tough. Like it's way less forgiving than Three Houses. So like everyone died. Like I had like five units in the final mission. And I realized that like I, I actually couldn't beat it because I had, let, I had committed to the permadeath so strongly <laughs> that I didn't have enough people to win. So I played it again knowing like, I feel like every Fire Emblem game, you kind of have to beat it to figure out how to play it like same with three houses like i didn't really know what to do until i had already done a run yeah so then i finished it again properly and i had just the best time and even when i moved to chicago a year later i like i didn't know anybody yet i had no friends and it was like hitting me that i just moved to a major city without any plan right (laughs) and i remember just being on a couch and flipping open awakening and like just being so comforted by it and um it really is an important game to me i mean before three houses it was absolutely Absolutely. Not only my favorite Fire Emblem, but like one of my favorite games and probably still my favorite game on the 3DS, which I think we'll also talk about as a system. Um, Yeah, that was my time with Awakening. So like I kind of realized in playing it that I loved Fire Emblem or I could love Fire Emblem. So I think like four years later, Fates came out in 2016, but I didn't really pick it up until 2017 or 2018. Actually, it might have been 2018, because I think I brought it up in like one of our very, very early episodes. And I enjoyed Fates. It is operating on a very similar engine and a similar like combat style. I didn't enjoy the narrative as much. Fates is a game that's throwing like a lot at the wall. It's very ambitious, but it's one of those ambitious games that not everything works. <laughs> so like, um, it's definitely worth checking out if you liked Awakening, but I think Awakening is just like such a solid start to finish experience that fates is like a little bit all over the place so those are my primary games before three houses and then three houses changed my life uh and then <laughs> after that i went back and i played uh a couple of the game boy advance ones so i've kind of like had a weird pathway where i got into it via awakening i played the games that came out after awakening and then i've been going back and playing the older games and really enjoying all of them for very different reasons and i'll talk more about that later but that's my experience as a whole I'll jump in real quick with mine because it's like really short, but I <laughs> sorry. Yeah, that was a lot. I was like, it all started 1990 April <laughs> Aries. I picked up Fire Emblem on the Game Boy Advance uh, at one point in my life, like around when it came out. And I was like, this sucks. And then stop playing it. Um, and then at some point in the future, Steven, you and I were writing for a video game website and you were playing this game and you were like, this is the only game I'm playing. I only have a 3DS. This is the best video game of the year. And everybody else was like, there are other video games. And you're like, no, this is the one. I was right, man. I still, I still, think, I still think you might have been right. Yeah. Um, 
It was the same year as The Last of Us, and I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was also working at a Starbucks playing Animal Crossing, like, literally every single day, and you would come to visit sometimes, and we would sit in the back by the uh, by the dumpsters, and you would just tell me about your Fire Emblem playthrough, and I was like, that game sounds great. So I picked it up, and also did not have a good time with it. I played it for, like, two hours. I was like, this is not for me at all. And then Fates came out, same deal. I was like, I like this even less than I liked Awakening. And then I went back and tried playing Awakening again and got, like, five hours in. I was like, okay, wait, there's something here. And then I put it down for, you know, some reason or another. And then it wasn't until way later, Three Houses blew the doors off the franchise for me. Really fucked me up mentally, um, I think. As, as a person, uh, I, I have changed just irrevocably. And uh, I don't know, I, I, that felt like table setting for this experience. So uh, I can't wait to talk about how that went. Alana, please tell me what's up yes. with your 14 months of Fire Emblem. <laughs> <laughs> so, Which is yeah. also the title of your next book. I'm so excited. Yeah, to- coincidentally. <laughs> <laughs> crazy how that happens. Um, it's sort of hard to talk about this without sounding like a like worst garbage fangirl. Like I don't know if you guys have a name for uh, for the fandom yet, the like garbageettes or whatever. Um, but basically, garbageettes like, is so good. That's it's it. You terrible. Made it. Cut it out. Um, but basically, I think Three Houses was sort of my like re-entry into gaming. And it was because mm. you guys were talking about it. And like, I've, I've talked about this on previous episodes, but like, I grew up, you know, gaming fairly constantly. Like, I was big into, you know, Zelda. I was certainly really into Pokemon, which I think actually draws a fairly um, strong line to uh, the Fire Emblem franchise, totally, weirdly. Yeah. But, you know, especially like in my adult life, like I had a Switch. I, I had actually a couple of 3DSs. Like, you know, I, I sort of had my, my various consoles, but nothing that I was like so beholden to or or nothing that I was like, gotta play it when it comes out. Like I, I've even talked about this, but like I got Breath of the Wild at launch and like wasn't that into it. Like it yeah. was a little stressful to me because there wasn't a critical path per se. Like there wasn't sure. like yeah. something I could follow and sort of sink my teeth into. But uh, I, I am definitely someone who's very susceptible to like seasonal affective depression and, I, and I'm already someone who's very anxious. And so basically it, it became almost like a loving running joke among like like my friends and family and loved ones that each winter I would like choose a thing to get obsessed with, you know, like I would, I mean, Terrace House actually was, was how I even found like, you know, the network and like became friends with Brendan and Andrea um, and like, you know, found this show. uh, And and so that was like maybe, you know, 2018, 2019. And then 2020, I got three houses for Christmas. I think my mom gave it to me actually um, after hearing about it on the show and just being like, you know what? This seems like something I might vibe with. Like I'm into the idea of like people Pokemon basically. Like, I like the, <laughs> I, you know, I like the idea of relationships. I, I like playing chess. I like doing crosswords. I like putting things where they are optimal in order to succeed. Like that, that is something that really speaks to my like organization focused brain. Like this feels worth asking for it again. Like I, I'm 31. Like at this point I'm like, what do I even ask my mom for, for Christmas at almost feels sort of like redundant like okay cool like this $60 video game that I don't know I would buy myself and so she got it for me and I remember this I started playing it was either New Year's Day or like January 2nd you know of 2020 yeah I you and I went out to a bar like the day before you started playing yes. it and you were like I yes, think yes, I'm gonna start yes. this tomorrow that's exactly what happened and I was like I think I'm just gonna like yeah. you know give it a shot and then literally I think seven days later I'd beaten it for the first time <laughs> you yeah. know um, and, and it was just like I've actually had trouble sort of recapturing what it felt like that first week playing Three Houses, but it was just like it was almost like, you know, when you meet someone and you're just like, I knew you had to exist. Like, that's how I felt about this game. Which I completely feels... agree. It's yeah. almost romantic. Yeah. You know, yes. it, it really felt like 
interpersonal in a way that I'm like a little embarrassed to cop to, but also like who, you know, cares, whatever, um, where it, it was that balance. And again, you guys have spoken about this at such length that I don't need to belabor it, but like that balance between the monastery phase and like, you know, getting to know these people and really getting to care about them. And then also getting to deploy all this different type of strategy. And like, right, as you say, Stephen, you really do have to beat it once in order to like know how to play it the next time. Like, yeah. I, I remember I beat it on easy, like in days, you know, like it was not hard. I was like, I get the vibe, whatever. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to play it on hard. And then I played it a few times on hard. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to try it on maddening. And then I beat it a couple times on maddening. And so I found- Oh, I am so impressed. I could not get past the third mission on maddening. No, I mean, listen, it's not actually (laughs) fun to play on maddening. Like, like I don't recommend playing on maddening, which is called lunatic in uh, Awakening. And I think everything prior to Three Houses. Um, And it's it's sort of interesting that they made that change because I, like, you think on some level, it's like, maybe they're a little more sensitive to talking about mental health, but I actually don't think that maddening is like that much better than lunatic if we're really going down that path, but like whatever. Um, Anyway, so I played Three Houses just like so incessantly, I can't even describe it. Like I think I put maybe 400, 450 hours into it, like played seven or eight runs, did like every possible, like every possible thing. Like I made sure that I maxed out all the relationships between all the people I possibly could so Mm -hmm. I could see every support. Like I, I even like, I'm not someone who's really into the like me runs where you're like, what if like Bernadetta was a brawler? But like, I did like to sort of, you know, (laughs) try and mix and match and be like, okay, what happens if you like experiment with different classes, whatever. So like, I really like, I took on three houses almost as a like, I want to feel into every corner of this thing. Like I am so excited it exists and I want to exhaust it. And, you know, sort of naturally I I came to like some sort of end point on that and, you know, picked up other games and like, spoiler alert, finally got into Breath of the Wild uh, and a bunch of other sort of what I would call like Aether adjacent games. And then um, if we're going to come back to the worst garbage, I ended up doing an episode of Eleven again, Perseus podcast, where, um, you know, you replay or rewatch or re-listen to things that you loved when you were a child. And she and I both went through Majora's Mask, which was, you know, my all-time favorite Zelda game. Really like... That's a good one. Yeah, I would honestly say like the game that made me realize what games could be, especially from sort of an emotional standpoint. Mm, um, totally. Really, yeah. Because, yeah, it, 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 you know, for people who haven't played, it's it's weird and it's dark and it's sort of oblique to the overall Zelda franchise, but feels so emblematic of like Link as this lonely and at times very tragic hero where it's like, oh, you saved the world and no one's ever going to remember. Like, like that's like your whole deal. Um, and I was just obsessed with that game when I was younger. So anyway, I played it again um, with her for the show and I happened to have it on 3DS. Like that that was the platform that I could play it on because I didn't have access to like a GameCube or an N64. And as I was playing, like it's funny because she actually, you guys should all listen to the episode if, if you know, if you're interested at all in the franchise. Um she didn't love it, and that's fine because it's actually incredibly inscrutable, even as someone, you know, who played probably 20 times as a child. Um, and I think, Brendan, you were probably watching and being, like, exactly the same. Like, yep. you can't you can't grok this game unless you, like, have it memorized. But my main takeaway was not Majora's Mask is so wonderful. My main takeaway was the 3DS is kind of the perfect platform. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, look, I love the Switch. Like, okay, my household is, like, a gamer household. We have a PS4, a PS5, we have the Xbox Series. Series S. We have two 3DSs. We have two Switches. Like, we 
we got a lot. We're like really playing with a full deck here. Um, and the 3DS has been like kind of my favorite system to play ever since a few months ago. Yeah. Like I love how compact it is. I love the controls. Like obviously, look, it, it, it's not as like elegant. It certainly doesn't have as good graphics. Like I'm sure there are a million people who are like screaming hearing me say this, but like I, I have just loved being able to throw this thing into like my bag or my fanny pack or what have you and just be like, oh, I can sort of re-enter this world and exit it really quickly in a way that you really can't with a lot of console games. Um, and so all of this is to say, it sort of led me to a point where I was like, okay, what are the 3DS games I should really be getting into now? Um, and so I actually, I'm going to sound like a dilettante here. I went on a different podcast where I replayed uh, Pokemon. <laughs> I thought you were a godfachite. I, 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 I replayed uh, Pokemon Platinum and just like had oh, the nice. best time. Oh, um, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's this show called Experience Share where it's like a Pokemon playthrough podcast with some folks I used to work with. And so that happened maybe like a month after I did the Majora's Mask playthrough. And then I was like, okay, I really like this as like, as far as like, I don't even know if you'd call Pokemon turn-based combat, but like, I like that. Like, it's not a game, it's it's not a system where I feel like I could do a lot of really like quick trigger, like, you know, like pew, pew, pew stuff, but it's really fun when it comes to being like, okay, I'm premeditating my next move. And I was like, okay, this leads me back to Fire Emblem. That's what I love about Fire Emblem. Yeah. What are the games I should be playing? And I literally was just like reading Polygon and like Googling it and like, I was like, okay, I think I want to play Awakening or Fates or Echoes or sort of one of those guys. And once again, my mom came through and somehow <laughs> I don't, I actually don't know how this happened and I need to ask her about it. I'm actually going to see her in a couple of weeks, which I'm very excited about after a very long quarantine. Um, but she got me a brand new copy of Awakening for my 31st Whoa, birthday, like cool. a couple Amazing. months ago. And I, I don't know where she found it because I'd been like lurking on eBay and you can get like used copies for like $70 or whatever. Um, and she just like sent me this new one and I was like, okay, chill. And so I started to play and I was just like, oh, this is the shit. It's it's so funny because it's obviously different from Three Houses, as you guys say, in terms of like, it's not the most cohesive story in the world. It's not like the characters are that fully fleshed out, but I love the outlines it gives you. And I think, frankly, I think the combat pound for pound is better than Three Houses. I'm going to lay my... I agree. Yeah. yeah I, I'm going to lay my gauntlet down now. <laughs> just, I totally agree. I mean, thank you for sharing all of that. That was yeah, wonderful yeah. to hear. And I Thanks think... Thanks for listening to my saga. <laughs> <laughs> I think if there's like one quick thing I can say in terms of like mm -hmm. this game's relationship to Three Houses is that like the clearly superior thing are the maps and the combat. Oh like, my god, the maps are so different. And in Three yeah. Houses, there's like four maps, and you're just like, cool, I've memorized the desert. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think Brendan and I had a conversation where like, because you know, I think this actually came up when I was playing the Game Boy Advance Fire Emblem, mm. and that's like very similar deal. Like. If, if Awakening is kind of a middle ground between like the sort of relationship stuff and tactics, the Game Boy Advance stuff is like even further into tactics mm -hmm. land. You can't even go shopping unless you're like in the middle of a battle on a map. Like that's how <laughs> there's not even like an overworld. Yeah, you, have to, like, you have to bring someone to a tent that is on the map oh and then God. you can shop for them. Right. <laughs> and no one else. No, but that's interesting too, because I think something that I have felt throughout sort of my gaming life is like, I don't even know if you would call it self-conscious, but I have certainly felt like I have arrived at franchises late. Like, and, and I would say Three Houses is, or Three Houses, uh, Fire Emblem is certainly emblematic of that, where, you know, I started with the game that certainly I would say the most people find as their entry point. And I think I've always been a little, you know, I'm not really worried about like 
clout or people thinking I'm like not a real gamer because like honestly fuck that but yeah. <laughs> I think I've often been worried that going back to older games I'll never be able to sort of capture the experience that people who played those for the first time would mm, have yeah. like that they, totally that they would feel that. Too, yeah that they would feel too clunky or that I would be too like you know enamored of the quality of life improvements that come with later games or a later system like the switch and so I think I was always a little hesitant or like allergic to going back to older systems because I was like what if like it's just the gameplay that's the problem for me and so this was like really really gratifying to to realize that like no that's absolutely not the case like it doesn't feel clunky at all it doesn't feel you know like i'm missing out on something sleek or or a better version in fact i actually think that there are elements to this game that like three houses and the switch could take into consideration which is like very interesting totally agree yeah this also weirdly enough playing awakening has made me realize that it's so akin to like the other into the aether favorite recently which Mm -hmm. is dragon quest where like like, a thousand percent. You you could go once you've played any of the quote unquote entry points to Dragon Quest, you can then go play any other Dragon Quest game and you know exactly what you're doing immediately because all of those mechanics are going to carry over the vibes carry over, which is really wonderful. And each one is trying to do its own thing in its own, you know, spectacular, wonderful way. What's interesting about Fire Emblem is that it's mainly the same as well, except it's just how much is there a focus on relationships versus tactics, as Steven was just saying. And I think like just knowing which of those you prefer will take you down your own specific rabbit hole even in fire emblem fates which is like two games as if it's a pokemon game but like it really is like do you care more about the relationships to the tactics because they built one game for one kind of person one game mm-hmm. for the other kind of person which like for all of the failures of that game unfortunately that was a brilliant choice on their part yeah and totally. awakening is really the best of all worlds it's funny you say like three houses is definitely the entry point to fire emblem for a lot of people awakening was also that in 2013 mm-hmm, awakening mm-hmm. was technically gonna be the last fire emblem game for the Right. right, and then it was so popular that they were like, I guess we gotta give this <laughs> we another gotta shot, keep doing right? it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it was called Fire Emblem Finn during development. Like, they were like, it's like, done. Like, this is actually it. Um, <laughs> Fire Emblem out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and, it's, and it's an amalgam of all of the, like, fan favorite mechanics from all of the previous Fire Emblem games just, like, mashed into one thing. And because of that, it just feels like this labor of love, but it's also, like, regardless of, of what the developers think are, like, fan favorite things, like, they're fan favorite things because they're just good mechanics and if you put every good mechanic in one video game like you're gonna have a better video game than if you didn't do that so like (laughs) it's kind of weirdly no surprise hindsight is 2020 obviously but it's kind of no surprise that awakening is like the fucking hit uh in this entire franchise you know until three houses came out but uh yeah i I just feel like if you are a fan this is like directly to you dear listener if you are a fan of three houses and you're like where do i go next awakening is like so fucking good (laughs) awakening playing awakening for the past i don't know how long it's been i guess like three or four weeks or however long ago we decided we were going to do this has been just like a dream in a way I super wasn't expecting especially as like of the three of us the person who likes Fire Emblem the least I like Fire Emblem a lot but I like it the least of the three of us on this like, you <laughs> like it a normal amount and, and me and Alana right. are like radiating green hair energy right <laughs> and that's why that'll probably be the last thing I say for the rest of this episode <laughs> I just want to touch on that real quick because I think it was interesting like having my love for Awakening and even having my like enjoyment of Fates. Like I liked it enough to bring it up on the show. Yeah. I remember my like gut feeling with Three Houses was like oh my god this is like the Breath of the Wild for Fire Emblem. This makes the rest of the series look bad. I think I might have Mm. even said that like in our first Three Houses episode. I'm like this makes like just play this one because the rest is like blown away. I think that narratively still I think narratively like there's no comparison. There's no story to speak of here and that's like kind 
kind of liberating. <laughs> right. And, but, and that's the thing. And I think it's been a joy going back to Awakening and, and like seeing how much it succeeds in its own way. And especially, like you said, Alana, with the, with the tactics and the combat, like they're giving you just enough fun with the character that that's present. But I'm way more engaged in the strategy because like mm-hmm. there are a lot of there are some really interesting maps in Three Houses. Most of them tend to be the last one, like the yeah. last Golden Deer map. I'm, I was awesome. just about to say yeah. it actually is. It robs the other roots because the Golden Deer last map is so goddamn good, and the others yeah. are so weird. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. It's like the other one's like everything's on fire. It's like that's not fun. But uh, yeah, the a lot of the maps in Three Houses are just like a big open field, and it just mm-hmm. feels like they're like big for the sake of big sometimes, and it, it just feels like there's a lot that I enjoy, and this is subjective, but there's a lot I enjoy about Awakening and Fates, where it's like, what is the spot to put my character, and who am I putting there? Like there's a specific, it's like chess. There's a specific move that I may not know until later, but like I need to make the right one. Whereas three houses, like you're kind of just all catching up with the person who can fly for a bit. (laughs) 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 But at the same time, what I will say about awakening, that is like the biggest pain point that if you're coming from three houses, you will feel this with me. I miss divine pulse so much. I was just about to say the second you said putting someone in the right place, like I don't want to have to like save and quit in order to be like, Oh, I should have been two blocks to the left. Like I'm an adult. (laughs) Yeah. And there's not even like a, I want to quit the mission option. Like you have to literally shut, like even if you're playing with permadeath off, it's a chill time. Mm -hmm. You have to like shut down your three. Did you you figure out the quick reset? Did you, did you not find that? I just hit home and then I hit like cancel application. I, Hey, dear listener also, but you know, I I know not, I think none of the three of us finished the game. So uh, just take this with you for the the last leg, but uh, hold L and R and then press start and it resets the game. That's beautiful. So you don't don't have to like go to the home menu. You don't have to do anything. You just go and then you're good. I will say though, I I am so grateful for that hack. I will certainly be deploying it in my last three chapters because I got to chapter 22 and then like was sort of dragging my feet. I was like, I don't want to be done yet. But I actually did find it helpful on sort of a like child throwing a temper tantrum level to just be like, okay, you got to quit out for like 10 seconds. (laughs) You have to to stare at your own like bedraggled face in like the dark screen of the 3DS (laughs) as like penance for restarting this game. <laughs> so speaking speaking of restarting, can I explain how I handled permadeath with this run? I'd love yeah, to know. Go yeah. for it. Because um, I, I think Brendan and I, neither of us did permadeath. Is that correct? Yeah, casual yeah. no permadeath for me. Yeah, I, I've never actually used permadeath in a Fire Emblem game, so I'm very interested in your strategy, Steven. So I think one of the things that really attracted me to the series initially was the permadeath because it reminded mm. me so much of the final Mass Effect 2 mission mm. where like every decision mattered and it kind of added those stakes. And that's why I think it's there. But of course, my my infamous first playthrough, I, I committed to it so strongly that I doomed myself. <laughs> and then I learned that everyone one just shuts off their system and tries again anyway when they lose someone. <laughs> so the second time I kind of was like more careful. Basically my mantra with like the 3DS Fire Emblems is like I put permadeath on but I only commit to a loss if it like because there are a lot of maps where like it will maybe take like 40 minutes to complete mm-hmm. it. So I'm like if I get to like minute 37 and I'm almost there and someone lo- dies that like I feel like I can move on without I'm like okay that's that's my loss. Like that's yeah, yeah that's yeah, my yeah. best case on this. This run I only lost. Vake dies every time I play this game. I don't know what it is. Vake is like teach. doomed. Te- teach? Yeah, there's a guy who calls himself Teach. Which feels like a weirdly resonant like Three Houses-ism. And he's like the least Claude-like guy ever. He's just like a he bro. Is. He's just like he's a bro, yeah. blonde and like shirtless and like a barbarian. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
He's like, if you took the worst parts of Sylvain and Raphael and, and put them in a lab somewhere, you know? <laughs> Unfortunately, I won't hear Sylvain slander on this podcast. But, as <laughs> I you were. The, I said the worst parts of. Um, but when Vake levels up, he goes, Teach just got tenure. So that's, I guess, something in his favor. Or he goes, yeah, I roll. Only a few cutscenes are their voice acting. Mm. So they commit to like the, you have like eight lines of dialogue that will express every thought. And it gets me every time. Cause like there are some very serious lines for like n- not serious dialogue boxes. Like yeah. Labor will be like, in Naga's name. And it's like, did you do the chores today? <laughs> like, <in> the actual- <laughs> but anyway, going back to Permadeath, I like did that. So I only lost Vake and I lost Henry and Seiri. Oh, interesting. Henry is my like power mage. Like Henry. Whoa. Is invaluable to me. And that's the thing that I really love about this game. That's why I think it's so good to replay. This is like my third run of it. And every time I've been surprised, like, who are my MVPs? Mm-hmm. Like this time, fucking Rickon, who has always died for me in oh my the God. mission. Rickon you recruit is like him. perma level one for me. Like, just not even. I just like basically used him to, like, sorry, we're going to get into this to breed. <laughs> like, I was like, you're going to be someone's <laughs> husband or else. <laughs> He was not only a father for me, but also like my MVP mage until Brady came along into my life. He showed up in a barracks cutscene for me, and I was like, whose fucking kid stole Muriel's cloak? Who is this? <laughs> he looks like he's from Over the Garden Wall. Like he's yeah. just like this yeah. Yeah. Kid with like a, a dunce It looks like cap. three kids yeah. in a trench coat who couldn't find two other kids. <laughs> <laughs> And when he wins, he goes, yes! I never even heard that. I, no, you might be lying. His, his level up like phrase, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's essentially like, am I big now? Like, oh, yeah, I it's so up? weird. We'll get into this later because a lot of the questions, we'll hit, we have yeah, uh, yeah, listener yeah. questions in the second half, but a lot of them are about like pairings and stuff. It's just so weird to see Brady, who's like a middle-aged punk priest, talk to Rickon as his father. And even Rickon's like, this is so weird. Like, I don't want to be here <laughs> as Brady pours me tea and goes, can Should we, like, talk about what this game is about at all? (laughs) Like, actually, the answer might be no, because, like, again, Brendan, to steal your phrase, dear listener, like, there's not actually, like, the most cohesive plot of all time. Like, the plot is really a way to get from battle to battle. But, like, I don't know. I I was just actually quite interested in how this game was constructed, even. Like, Like, how... They, you know, present Robin, you, you know, the the sort of avatar character and yeah. sort of how they move you through time and space. And, like, I was kind of curious about how you guys, like, reacted to how that was all put together. Because, like, I thought that I would miss the cohesion of Three Houses a lot more than I did. And, in fact, I actually found myself almost wanting to, like, speed through plot-heavy cutscenes in, in this game. Yeah, I think um the first time I played this game, I was actually taken aback by the quote. Like, the cutscenes that are in this game are still mm-hmm. beautiful. Like, it really is one of the most impressive. Of things. Oh, they're they're lovely, but I just found myself being like, I want a battle. <laughs> and you can watch them in three dimensions. Yeah. And this is, you, you mentioned this and I was comforted by this because I, I was wondering if I put the 3D on. This is the only game I've ever put the 3D on for and it was when I first got the 3DS. So the one thing with 3DS, like I never used the 3D, but I did for a bit for this game. Oh, the 3D usually like makes me nauseous. I've never tried right. it really. It's kind of fun for the cutscenes in this game and every now and then with the menus, it's nice to see like, the menus like above the, the background. The menus are weirdly gorgeous. Yeah, the 3D is like surprisingly yeah. like tasteful. Like that that's that's <laughs> the thing about the 3DS is like that whole feature set, the whole 3D side of things is like a fucking nightmare in pretty much every single game. <laughs> right. Uh, in, in, in Awakening, it's like kind of nice. And then Link Between Worlds is the only game where it's like mm. the 3D is great in that game. Yeah. Like actually helpful when you're playing the video game. But in this, it's just like a nice little touch, a nice little artistic <laughs> touch. 
<laughs> right. A little basil leaf on top. Yeah. A basil leaf. Um, but yeah, in terms of the story, like, I think it definitely shares, like, again, with the Dragon Quest comparison, like, I think it has that sort of, like, we're gonna going through kind of simple beats. There's some interesting mm-hmm. ideas at play, and I think that, like, this game and a lot of the older Final Fantasy games, like, focus on who the core characters are, mm. and everyone else is, like, cannon fodder. Yeah. Right, Which right. actually, going, going back to my permadeath thing, like, I actually think that having permadeath on this game makes it enjoyable, but, but now that I've, like, enough time has passed and I've played more games in the series, I would actually recommend playing Three Houses with it off. Because I think that, yeah. like, in this game, you are given so many characters and they all have the potential to be great that, like, losing someone will just make your run feel unique, but you're not going to be doomed unless you let everyone die like I did the first time. <laughs> right, because I think there's something like 45 playable characters that you're going to get on your run versus Three right. Houses where it's like you can ha- you start out with eight and you can obviously recruit more people, but, like, it's, it's really sort of peaceful. I, and I think like if you like if you play Blue Lions and you lost like any of them, like it would not it, you would have just lost stuff that would have made that run good. Like you would have totally. just lost story content. Whereas like yeah. with this game, it's so loose Except that like Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> Gilbert is, they give him to you almost as like uh, a punishment if you didn't do to do's side quest. Exactly. Like, here's it's like, who you oh, get instead. Cool. Yeah. Like Annette's deadbeat dad, like so stoked. Sorry, spoilers. Never mind. <laughs> we could seek help from House Sharon. Anyone who's listened this far does not need a spoiler warning for three houses. Yeah, we could, this, is a, this is a Gilbert roast, spoiler centric <laughs> Gilbert roast. But anyway, that's, that's how I thought of permadeath. And it's nice to turn it off. And I think like mm-hmm. I maybe would have enjoyed it more with it off because I keep restarting, but. Uh, Either way, like, I think it makes more sense in this game and in older games than Three Houses. I love the allure of permadeath. I love the idea mm-hmm. of it. And I know that right. it was, from what I've read, uh, I, I did a bunch of reading about this game like a week ago or so, but I did see a bunch of stuff that was saying that apparently the developers were like really up in the air about even including mm. a casual mode and a non-permadeath mode in this game specifically. Being like the, you know, here's everything that's great about Fire Emblem. It's like, okay, well, the thing that the developers think is great about Fire Emblem is the fact that you could lose somebody at any moment mm. um, and and the emotional weight that that hinges on that is really important to them so that said I'm, I'm just so fucking glad that they, that they included a casual mode because right. as much as i love the idea of permadeath and i do agree with the developers that that like definitely adds a lot of weight i would never ever have been able to finish any of these games if not for a casual mode with no permadeath it's interesting so i i think i i messaged you guys about this but the way i sort of approached this game was that i started on easy mode because it you know or, or whatever i think it's called normal mode or something normal mode no permadeath because you know it said like you know if you're unfamiliar with the mechanics or whatever. And I was kind of like, I I don't actually know if these are similar mechanics to Three Houses. I know nothing about this game. I'm going in blind. And so I opted into that. And then I played the first maybe 13 chapters. I played up until Lucina like joins or whatever. And I was just like, you know what? It's just too easy. I I also had not realized actually that you could make other characters like marry each other and have children. And I was like, oh fuck, like this is something I really want to indulge in. And so I totally restarted the game maybe 15 hours in um, to play on hard and to sort of have a more like strategic uh, way of going through. Um, And I think Steven, I think actually my next playthrough, I think I'm going to go back to easy mode and do permadeath. And I think that that's going to completely change the tenor of the game. Um, and I, I, I don't know if I'm going to get super far on that, but I'm actually really interested in seeing how I change my strategy. Because again, like, I mean, everyone calls it like horny chess, you know, like whatever, like that that's kind of like <laughs> a given as far as Fire Emblem games is concerned, <laughs> are concerned. But like, I am interested to know how my brain will operate if it's like you need to keep all the mages and all of the healers like way far 
her back. Like, how will I protect people? Like, how? And, and, and I might hate it. You know, I might play five chapters and be like, you know what, this is not the thing. But like, I think I can't do it on hard mode. But I like that as being sort of like the auxiliary hard dial, essentially that I'm turning. Totally. Up. Yeah. 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 Those two options are separate. I think that's a great point. Oh my god, a thousand percent. Like, I th- I think casual and classic. I think it's called right. Is that is that what permadeath is called? Classic. Yeah, it's classic or casual, and then yeah, there's the yeah, three yeah. difficulty. And then there's the three. And, and and I do actually really, I do want to try this game on Lunatic because I'm playing hard right now and like, I'm crushing it, you guys. Like, I, I will say, <laughs> we're going to get into this with the character chapter, but like, I told myself I wasn't going to be one of those like creepy people who was like, how do I optimize my children for maximum success? <laughs> and then I was like, but what if I made sure that Maribel got Gale Force and now my fucking, you know, whatever, like, like Brady is unstoppable, like, like shit like that. So anyway, I have some really like overpowered children that I am yeah. not worried about beating the game Severa, with. Severa, I can just throw in the middle of the map and she just obliterates everyone. Oh, my entire like main party now is just like overpowered babies, essentially. And that's, that's what I like. And I guess like just to touch on the story real quick, which I can mm-hmm. do in like a few seconds. <laughs> the story is basically like Crom and the player customizable protagonist Robin, uh, who's named like by default, are Robin wakes up in a field one day with amnesia, and Crom and his like core unit, um, his retainer Frederick and uh, his younger sister Lissa all find him, and those are like the core characters. Frederick and Crom are like the Dew and Dimitri if nothing bad mm-hmm. happened to them, basically. Like that's sort of the energy <laughs> they give off, and they, if they went to therapy as Krom well. Crom has no trauma, which is yeah. I think. <laughs> Which is what I think is disconcerting and ultimately off-putting about Krom as like a hot protagonist. <laughs> but anyway, the, the story is like it, it kind of travels like it's them traveling around different kingdoms and like there's friendly kingdoms there's like hostile kingdoms and each kingdom kind of represents like a different ideology of being a leader which is kind of interesting Mm -hmm. like you have leaders who are like for the glory of conquering you have like very kind of opportunist like Iago from Othello kind of like Mm -hmm. tricksters and then you have uh, one actually one of the chapters that like weirdly hit hard for me is the one where like it's an enemy kingdom but the general seems to be like level headed but he has to just follow orders like that was a very like three houses esque energy going on with that one totally but basically it's revealed that at a certain point you meet lucina and she is trunks she has uh traveled from a ruined future mm-hmm. back in time to prevent that future from happening she is crom's daughter from the future and her mother is dependent on your actions who you set up with crom and if you don't set up crom with anyone he apparently just marries a villager and like uh, lucina is born no matter what because she's integral to the story i love that you were you were like you have to make sure that crom marries someone by, by uh, chapter 10 or else he'll marry a villager and I was like what if that's the love of his life Steven how could you be so fucking cruel to <laughs> don't Krom? you want Lucina to have Gale Force um, <laughs> but uh, yeah I think like really the heart of the story is like this idea of like not settling for what fate has in store you know yeah. it's kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of generic but that message and like the interactions the characters have with their kid like once Lucina shows up every pairing you've made has a kid that comes from the future and like that's where the support scenes are really heartfelt and like fun to see like everyone is kind of like inspired to save the day because they see like who in their future awaits them and like what is at stake by seeing what has already been lost Mm -hmm. that angle is like really good and like the rest of the story is fine like you know they save the day Uh, it's it's like totally fine but you care so much because like that whole like heart of it the Lucina and friends from the future is unique to how you've played the game you see Mm -hmm. how like like 
like you said, Alana, like your roster transitions from like the original team to all the kids and they do it like they fight alongside their parents who they never got to meet. Like a lot of them in the supports reference how like they never met their mom or their dad. There's a great uh, support with um, Pan, who's like the rabbit woman who can mm-hmm. turn into a rabbit. Just amazing. The Tagwell, yeah. <laughs> the Tagwell, yeah. She has a son, Yarn, who's a Tagwell as well. And they're like initially like awkwardly interacting. And he's like, I, I don't know. I've never met you. So I don't know like what a Tagwell mother expects. And she's like, I actually don't know either because I never met my parents. So let's figure it out together. And like, That's just really, there's really sweet moments like that. I think like really, if you're playing this game and you're enjoying it, but you're not really like, enjoying the story like just wait until that happens and and i do think like i mean um lucina as a character is like the one character they bothered to write for and it's like actually great and the scene where she like reveals who she is is like really like it really made me tear up it's really good that like literally Um, could have been the end of the game if they wanted it to be oh a thousand percent this game could be half as long with twice as many missions in between and you'd be like yo i get it right and i will say something i did that like i i don't know that everyone needs to do and i didn't even realize this on my first playthrough that it wasn't the only option was I married Robin who was my avatar to Crom and so therefore Lucina became her daughter and that was actually really interesting because and I don't know what happens otherwise because I actually did it again on my you know second or you know one and a half playthrough and that kind of gave it a whole new depth of story especially toward the end where you know if if you're sort of character who is sort of the tactician you know that's how they're addressed it's not unlike a Byleth character but like for Frankly, I found Robin as a unit a lot more disposable than I found Byleth as a unit. Like, I I think Byleth is so overpowered and so cool. Byleth is, like, actually unfair. And, like, I found eventually... (laughs) So here's the thing. So even if you are not playing on permadeath, um, if either Krom or Robin die in a battle, regardless of even if it's just, like, a random skirmish with bandits, the match ends and you have lost. And so I actually found it beneficial to not deploy them unless I had to. Like, except for sort of training. Because Krom is required. Right. And so I was like, I got to train him up enough that he can like survive. And I actually, this is where I started to do a lot of research about like, what's the best class for Krom in order to like keep him out of danger, but also like keep him, you know, viable. Um, But I basically don't use Robin because I don't want to have two targets, the backs of my, you know, team. That makes sense. And I mean, like eventually, I feel like eventually both Krom and Robin get phased out by Lucina Mm. and Morgan. Oh my God. I mean, Lucina and Morgan talk about overpowered. So Morgan is, (laughs) Morgan Morgan is always going to be, um, um, Robin's child and it's gonna they're gonna be an opposite gender of whatever your Robin is and so my, my Robin has been a female both times um, and I'm gonna tell you guys I didn't restart for this reason but part of why I ended up restarting and felt good about it was that I initially made my Robin accidentally look exactly like Crom and Marth I gave her like <laughs> short blue hair oh, she wow. had like the same face like I could not tell them apart on the battlefield and so when I I finally restarted you know at like level 13 or whatever i was like you're giving her white long hair and she's like not gonna look anything like these motherfuckers because it was so annoying by the end i i kept thinking i was deploying crom and was deploying (laughs) robin you had like eight blue hair heroes no truly especially once you get like (laughs) you get like long chew you get the children like once you have everyone in the mix you're like cool everyone's identical and looks like a smash brothers character (laughs) yeah (laughs) well yeah the the kids all take the hair color of Mm -hmm. their father otherwise Mm -hmm. which blew me away 
I had no idea that, that was the case. Which is really clever. Yeah. I think that that's such it's a, a like, cool lovely little detail. Yeah, when I when I met Owain and and he didn't have the blonde hair I'd always seen him have in all the screenshots oh. that the two of you were sending me, I was like floored. Oh no, my Owain is a redhead. <laughs> oh, mine is too. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that. My Owain has like two early two thousands like frosted tips mm-hmm. and otherwise. Which frankly, brown hair. I think fits his personality the best. <laughs> yeah. What's so so? I'll, I'll say this. I know we're gonna get into this later, but Owain is Frederick's son, and to me, that is canon. Like Frederick. <laughs> Like the stern knight who says, pick a god and pray, having a kid like running around the backyard being like, fight me like a Wes Anderson, like, you know, like Boy Scout who leads a bunch of kids into trouble. Like perfect. Yeah. He's just he's Owen Wilson in uh, Royal Tenenbaums. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's exactly Owen's energy for sure. My Owen is Rickon and Lissa. Oh, fun. That Um, that was the last time I used Rickon was to (laughs) father um, Owen. We'll have to share our pairings uh, mm-hmm. later. I don't know if we have a direct question about it, but we'll end up sharing it. Yeah, you I'm know, sure. Indirectly. That's why I'm um, here, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I logged on today. Shipping, shipping. <laughs> I will say, like, that is the re- that that very quickly became the reason I was playing this game, which I was surprised yeah. by. Because I like I like the tactics side of Fire Emblem. And honestly, for the first, like, five or six chapters of this game, I was like, you know what? I'm really enjoying the combat here. I think the combat is much stronger than I was expecting it to be. And, like, this is definitely mm-hmm. the reason I'm playing because the story is not, like, great, great. But I like the characters, like, enough. But I'm really here for the battles. And then as soon as people started hitting S rank, I was like, oh, shit. This game has really changed for me. And that's oh, why yeah. I haven't finished it. It's because <laughs> I just keep doing battles and, like, really optimizing those supports, baby. Whenever you reach S rank, like, a mission will appear on the map where you recruit that kid in a paralogue. And some of them are really tough. Some of them like, are really like a really hard. interesting approach to childbirth, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> Meet them in their teenage years in the midst of war. Uh, think, that's how I you mean, get a kid. Like, the kind of creepy thing is everyone I think is supposed to be the same age. Like the children are supposed to be the same age as the parents, which Just like about, yeah. raises some sure questions. <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird. It's like they're getting a glimpse of the future, but mm-hmm. like, yeah. It's also worth noting mechanically, like this game and Fates do a thing where you can pair units up together. Mm. It's kind of like uh, the Ajatans and Three Houses, but like way more uh, intricate. And like basically yeah. whoever's the secondary unit like can't get hit. So like, it's actually kind of tricky to balance and it's taken me up until now to make sure that like me pairing people up isn't at the expense of like one person leveling up at all. Totally. I found the exact same thing, Stephen, where I had Maribel paired with Libra the whole time because they, you know, were a couple I wanted to be together and like he was pretty powerful and she was like incredibly squishy and then I realized she was still at like level six by like, Mm. you know, chapter 13 and I was like, fuck, I gotta like get her out from here and that was like a really tricky uh, needle thread. That specifically is why I'm at chapter i think i'm at chapter 20 and i'm like 30 hours into the video game is because <laughs> all of my time has been spent like optimizing pair ups and specifically making sure that everybody leveled up equally yeah. and wait which which version are, are you guys playing are you playing hard or normal brendan uh i'm playing normal with no permadeath word okay and steven um, you're playing permadeath normal or uh permadeath hard. hard yeah cool okay yeah wow yeah and it's been it's been like it definitely took over a here. bit <laughs> 
I mean, you know, it's my third round. Mountain Dew, is that um, you? <laughs> Mountain Dew, can you hear me? Yes, I can I don't, hear I was you. also about to launch into song. I don't know why that really just inspired. <laughs> you rhyme and a song happens. Yeah, wow, okay. But yeah, I think the other thing too in regards to like comparing this to Three Houses is like Three Houses made it so much easier to level up healers and archers. Yeah. It is like you've got to choose like one to be like, you're going to be the, like, and I, I chose to make Donald my project and like, so no one else got the time mm, of the day. Mm. Donald is a character who's like a villager who's like completely worthless in the beginning. But if you invest in him and you reclass him, he becomes unstoppable. Donald the God. Yeah. yeah he's the opposite of Frederick who's like overpowered at the start and then kind of sucks mm-hmm. later. Anyway, I think what might be fun, unless any either of you have anything more to say just like in this first section, I think it might be fun to end this section with like who we paired up to lead into <laughs> oh whoa, the second part. Would that, is that too much pressure? I no, think I that that it. needs to be its own segment because that's going to be like its own hour of podcast. <laughs> Podcast. Okay, should we take a break and have that be the middle? I, I paired everyone up. I paired everyone viable up Shit. and in fact have like an incredibly creepy note on my phone to that effect <laughs> okay. that I didn't think I was going to admit on air, but I sure am. <laughs> so why don't we do this? Why don't we cut the section here? Yes. We'll do that and then we'll go into questions. That is Great. a, as Sounds a good. that's a good plan. Yes. Awesome. Uh, AJ, thanks for your magic. We will see you all soon, dear listener. Great. And just another quick plug to Play Awakening. It's a lovely game. It's so much fun. It, it, it really it. makes me want to like give all my friends who got into video games because of Three Houses, like my second 3DS, just to like babysit for a couple weeks and be like, <laughs> yeah. you're going to like it. Like, I promise you will like it. I will I say like this. It. The Nintendo 2DS is an incredible device if you have not held one and is like fifty dollars. Great, really and can good. Can you can you play this game on a two DS? You sure can. Who knew? Yeah, not me. Who knew? Rickon is waiting. Just buy a two DS. <laughs> yeah, Rickon is waiting. You can buy. It looks like a little piece of toast, and you can play Fire Emblem Awakening on it. You're gonna have a great time. The Nintendo Toast. <laughs> the Nintendo. Okay, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Goodbye, Mountain Dew. Can you hear me? Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Steven, I think you you uh, threw out potentially the suggestion of us talking about who we paired up. Uh, so I guess it's time to do that, which is like a lot for me to handle mentally because we've, I have so much of, to say about this. And yeah. if I have a lot to say about this, then you two have way more to say about this. And I'm really looking forward to it. I devoted more time and attention to this than like I really care to admit, like Like, as I said before the break, uh, I did make a phone note about it and I tried not to like research online about like who would make the best Mm. children, like blah, blah, blah. Like it seems like once you go down that path, it gets sort of creepy and like irredeemable. Um, But I I did start to form opinions about like, oh, if so-and-so has this ability or like if they are both mages, like, I don't know. Anyway, it, it, I wasn't doing it for love. And that's something I feel ashamed about. So like, <laughs> bless me, bless me, father, for I have sinned is all I want to say. <laughs> this is really a confession. This yeah, whole exactly. Episode. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So the first time I ever played, I just sort of paired up whoever like showed up on the map together. Mm-hmm. Cause like you often get like new characters that are just like, like, Hey, I'm the healer. I'm the horse guy. <laughs> you two are destined for each other. Uh, <laughs> 
So all my kids sucked because I just didn't give it any thought. So this uh-huh. time I I didn't min-max it either, but I did think like, okay, who is fun together and mm-hmm. who would also be good together? Because basically how it works is that their kid is their own character with their own stat growths and available classes, but they get the avail every character who comes from the future alongside Lucina, we've been through this, <laughs> is tied to their mother. So their mother will always be the same. Mm-hmm. The father influences, I think, some of the stats, the available classes, the abilities that are passed down, and the hair color. Uh, so that's what's that's what's going on. Here. And I would say, like, the latter two are the most significant <laughs> inheritances. Yeah, the skills and the hair color, for sure. Yeah. And- ha- hair color really mattered to me in a way that, like, is embarrassing. But also skills are obviously I love this. Too. My mentality in terms of pairing people up was straight up just like who do I think goes great together and that was it that was that was the beginning and end I didn't even know about the stat uh, thing I didn't know about the passing on skills I didn't even know about the hair color thing purely gut uh, so I like that we have like a, a, a wide <laughs> spectrum of opinions on how to match people up here it's really good also I kind of feel like next time I play I'm gonna be like really horrid and creepy about it and be like you know who's uh, maximized with so and so and like I don't love that about myself but I do feel like I should admit it. <laughs> Wait until you get into Fates. You're going to have Ugh. like one hell of a time. This is something I actually think that Three Houses could really take from Awakening. If they could have children, like the game would have been over. Like, yeah. people would, like I'm so, I, You know what? It's actually good they didn't because people would have lost their horny little minds. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think the, the narrative beat that's the equivalent is the time skip. Mm-hmm. I think the, like, the, the like them growing up and being different is sort of like totally, the same Totally, totally. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I understand what you mean, but I'm kind of glad they didn't because in Fates, like in Awakening, it's this huge like surprise in the plot. Right, you know, like And right. again, like, if you're playing for the first time, you're not going to know this mid-max even exists. And then suddenly you're getting all these new characters. In Fates, they're like, okay, there's a pocket dimension where you can visit a child from the future, but they're safe there. But if you want them to fight in the war you're fighting, you can take them out of the pocket dimension. Like, what is this? Yeah, like, it's, it's, so, too it's just much. there for no plot My reasons. counterpoint, though, is Ash and Annette's child, who knows what it would look like. <laughs> what is fun is the character who is uh, pretends he's a superhero. His kid from the future is an actual superhero that has really good luck stat. So there's <laughs> there's something for you. All right. Uh, yeah, we've put this off long it, enough. Yeah. The three of us huddled around this Skype call with our 3DSs like up to camera is so funny. I'm sorry. This is very visual for an audio medium. It's like literally like we're huddled around like a small fire. Yeah. <laughs> how do you, how do you guys want to do this? Do you want to do like you, we each say who we paired our crumb with and then we each say who we paired our like so-and-so with? Do you want to uh, go by character, or do you want to just like list off all the pairings? Yeah, that might be the that might be the easiest move. I Maybe think that's we start probably with the tidiest way to do this. Start yeah. with Crom, and then I think we need to move into mothers and who we paired all the mothers with. Sure. Okay. Okay. Cool. I'm gonna start with Crom. So my Crom, I paired with Sumia, mm. uh, which is kind of the basic. Yeah, it feels classic. Choice. That feels like the classic. Move. That feels like basically canon. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I think I think it actually is canon because in the opening cutscene of Awakening, they're together in the castle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I just I just thought it would be fun, and I do like them together. Yeah. I like this sort of like uh, honestly, I really like Crom as a character. Like I forgot how likable he is, and totally. I, I like his sort of like chaotic, good, unaware prince vibe with like the 
say it how it is but clumsy princess like that's just fun i like their energy together it's very like as kind of by the books the story is their personalities are not like the norm for like their roles Mm. in in a game like this so I, i thought they were fun together um which basically meant that uh sumia was lucina's mother and that cynthia was lucina's mm. sister uh and them as sisters is very fun how did how did that yeah how did that work out for you i'm very interested in the, in the yeah, like how did how did cynthia turn thing. out yeah well how did it work out for me in, in what way i just mean like how did you feel about having cynthia as lucina's sister like did that was that a like a compelling story beat for you I love it. I mean, I think it's really funny because Lucina is like so serious and is like mm. kind of the de facto leader of the kids. Like it feels that like they all report to Lucina and she's like, mm. like taking this burden on. And she's like, oh, even when she's like, it takes her so long to finally let go of her facade and like enjoy being with her parents. That's what I love about that scene so much. She's like finally able to be like, I missed you so much. Like, I love you, mom, mm. mom and dad. Mm. It means it's really it's really sweet. Beautiful scene. Yeah, really. So Cynthia is like the cosmic opposite where she's just like she's inherited Sumia's pure clumsiness and is like also very confident, which I love. So like she's just like the carefree reflection of Lucina in some ways. And they're I've only seen one of their supports together, but it's them trying to kill a bug and both scared of it, which was like very <laughs> funny That's to see Lucina scared of anything. Interesting. And I'll get to why later. Um, I will say my first playthrough, I paired Robin with Crom. And mm. I think Lucina as the protagonist daughter is like very cool like it, it adds yeah. so much to the story so that's who i pair with crom so i'll say that's that's what i did so i yeah. paired yeah. robin with crom on both of my playthroughs if you even want to call my first one my playthrough um and i found that actually quite interesting especially with what comes later where like spoiler alert like there comes a time when lucina is basically like i need to kill the mother or i need to kill robin like i i need to yeah. protect my father And it's really interesting when that is her mother, in addition to just, like, the tactician. But I also just, like, really like Lucina and Morgan as siblings. Like, I like Morgan Mm. as this, like, little brother. I like Lucina as an older sister. Um, And, yeah, I don't know. I I, I like Krom, but I also find him a little too stoic. And I think that Robin's sort of, like, being more of a, like, modern human (laughs) and, like, someone who can just sort of be like, is is actually really refreshing when it comes to like totally dating Crom. Like I I really liked their supports together to the extent where I played through the first time not realizing that like they could date anyone other than each other. And then the second time I was like, I'm opting into this. Like I think that they have something and I think mm. that it's interesting. Um I think maybe actually then from there let's jump to Brendan. How about you and I talk about who we paired Sumia up with, you know, sort of like a like a jump forward. I'll just, I'll just well, say who you pair with Crom yeah, with. I'll just say oh. on the on the Crom situation. Yeah. Uh, I, I ended up pairing him with uh, Sully, which I was like, I love that personally. I, I found out in their first support because they just like ended up getting their first support together just randomly, you know, a, a, as it happens every once in a while that they were like childhood friends and they like grew up like training together. And I was like, that's kind of nice. That's kind of like a sweet thing. It's interesting. You know, she she's very much got like a I'm just one of the guys attitude, mm-hmm. um, but I'm interested to see like how that she has real Leone energy for all of our yeah. uh, three houses fans. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Like um, red, so redhead on a horse. <laughs> right. Which also my Bernadette, uh, my Bernadetta, what? Uh, my Byleth also mm. matched with Leone, which so maybe that's uh, says something. I don't know. But 
I think that the Sully Crom combo is really fascinating because like mm. as it hap- as it was happening, I was like, this is going to pay off. This is going to be great. I'm really looking forward to how this pays off. And it like super did not for a while. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, I don't know if I would recommend this pairing, but yeah. the scene in which Sully and and Lucina first meet up after Lucina like reveals like, hi, I'm your daughter starts off in a way that's like, oh, Sully's actually like Sully's whole vibe her like I'm just one of the guys vibe is like actually gonna ruin this because she's trying to be like so like stoic and like kind of almost combative about it and then she has this moment where she just like lets her guard down and it becomes this really poignant beautiful thing that was so shocked by and like loved loved experiencing it really made it actually ended up paying off in the end I don't think that Krom and Sully go well together literally at all I'll say that much (laughs) but Sully as Lucina's mom extremely does work and then that leads into um, her kid who ends up being uh, Kiel uh, yeah who's just like this big like hulking knight (laughs) essentially um and her and lucina as sisters are amazing and actually every single combat Mm. sequence that i've had ever since finding kill has just been pairing up kill and lucina together because i just like this idea of these two sisters like battling together Mm -hmm. uh you know lucina being this like kind of like quick and fast like sword knight and kill being this like big hulking like mass is like a really fun balance between the two of them as sisters um strangely enough though steven their first support scene together was exactly the same it was the bug thing so i'm wondering uh, if that's I wonder oh. if it's like this, yeah yeah i'm wondering if that's just the sister if, thing if lucina is sort of like the keeper of the scene and anyone who she encounters sort of like triggers that yeah yeah exactly that makes that, sense. I, i'm actually curious about that because it's obviously not the case that they wrote individual scenes for every possible parent right pairing that lucina and morgan had and they are the only like switch siblings as it were yeah. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. I, I thought that in those sequences, they would like the, it would have just been these two people interacting and like if they were mm. sisters or if they were, you know, brother and sister, they would just like have one line of dialogue that would denote that. It's like move a little on. more intimate. Yeah. I'm actually really surprised to find that you had that exact same bug sequence as me, because uh, that that means that like that is just like a your sibling has this scene if they're sisters. But they're still exhibiting their personality. Which Absolutely. Is fun. Yeah. And, and maybe that's just an archetype of the person that uh, who, who was it? it was Cynthia on your end. Cynthia. Yeah, yeah. That might just be like the archetype of Cynthia and, and Kale in this case but um i i found their relationship as sisters to be so fucking compelling it was like actually the the thing that like really drove me to play this game like mm. way more than i thought was was the two of them interacting together um and and the relationship between kill and sully and and Krom and kill and the, just like that whole family unit of four maxing out all their supports was like super compelling and super rewarding and like really actually maybe my favorite part of playing this game for this episode and yeah brendan i felt the exact same way about my sort of like, I don't know, exceptionally royal family, you know, the like <laughs> <laughs> the Robin, Crom, uh, Morgan, Lucina yeah. family, I was really stoked about. And also like, frankly, pairing up Lucina and Morgan in battle in any way is just like a, a bloodbath. Like, like yeah. it actually feels unfair. Like, yeah, it's Crom and Robin, but like to the nth degree, right? Oh, and uh, honestly, after a certain point, especially when I was doing sort of like auxiliary battles, I was like, I can't have both of them because they just like sop up all the experience points and they like <laughs> like they just yeah. absorb all of the hits like there there's no one who can kill them both like i can't actually pair them together super often <laughs> yeah this game really it feels like you Again, eventually this was hard like this was not yeah, on, no this was not same, normal like <laughs> like 
in a run of awakening you'll have like your three broken characters mm-hmm. and then like everyone else is trying to catch up yeah do you, do we want to do who we paired with our avatar next or do you want to do a specific character next what do you think well i paired crom with my avatar so i'm all good yeah, go. Yeah, go, go for, for it. it. Steven, who'd you pair with Robin? So I didn't I didn't pair everyone together, so it won't take super long, but I I paired Robin, my character with Cordelia. Mm. Um, who honestly I really I really liked. Who um, uh, canonically her only personality trait is that she loves Crom. <laughs> right, which is an awkward thing to uh to realize halfway through. <laughs> um but uh I don't know, I liked Cordelia a lot. I never really used her that much, so I was like, let me let me like seek out someone who I haven't played as. And Cordelia is really good. She's like one of my best units. Yep. She's broken. She's, she's super strong. I mean, basically, I still think the Wyvern Riders in this, or Wyvern Lords in this game are still like vastly overpowered in a way that uh, Three Houses has them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I with Cordelia, I, I maxed out Pegasus Knight. Then I promoted her to Dark Fire. Same. Maxed that out. She got Gale Force. Then I oh. reclassed her as a Falcon Knight. And she's Ooh. almost at the start of that. So she's like. Oh, fascinating. Also, for for anyone who doesn't know, Gale Force is such a broken oh, skill yeah. <laughs> in that it means that you can just move twice if you've killed the other unit, which yeah. in a which in a turn based combat game is worth like beyond its weight in gold, yeah. like to the point where it like probably shouldn't be a skill. And like people have devised entire strategies around like passing that skill down. Right. How to do the you give everyone children. Gale Force? Has become like the playthrough of Awakening, and that like I totally get it. And I think if I were playing it on Lunatic, I would like definitely go for that strategy. But like, it's almost so good as to be like unfun. But I'm yeah. very glad you had fun because <laughs> I'm also having so much fun. <laughs> I didn't even know that was going to happen until it did. So it felt kind of organic to right. me. And Cordelia is also a character who's like very insecure in that she needs to be like perfect. Like she needs to right. like be the best right. at everything. So our kids are Morgan, who also has Gale Force, and she's like unstoppable. <laughs> oh my god, Morgan with Gale Force is like probably not allowed. Like it, yeah. <laughs> So Morgan has Gale Force and Severa has Gale Force as well. And Severa is broken beyond belief. I don't even pair her with anyone. I just throw her in the middle of the map and she just obliterates. Wait, Steven, this is interesting. So when I first met do you say Severa? I say Severa. I don't know. Like whatever. I'm not sure what it is. I, either yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. That that woman. Um, when I first met her on the map, she was really like salty to my Cordelia about like you were so obsessed with Crom until your dying day. Like, what's your problem, basically? And I I wonder if Whoa. that's different if Cor- if Cordelia is married to Crom. Yeah. Because like if Cordelia is married to Robin, like does that change it at all? I don't I don't know. I was just like very taken aback by how aggressive uh, Severa was. Well, toward- I mean, so the thing about Severa is that take Felix and Hilda and, and fuse them together. And she's, I literally she's... <laughs> think that Severa is female Felix. Like, yeah, I, I've sent you both like so many screenshots. Sundari, yeah. like Swordbuster. Yeah. She's like, am I such fucking garbage that you won't talk to me? Uh, she's like, uh, what did she describe herself as? I, I took pictures. I love Severa. She's like one of my favorite characters. Oh, I put her in every battle. My Severa died. <laughs> no, she's really hard to get. This is my first run getting like her. during the paralogue like she died like right in the beginning and i was like well i'm playing on like casual mode and easy mode so like it'll be fine right like she'll show up after and oh then I so you the couldn't mi- recruit her yeah yeah, yeah. 
That's I'm just the big pile of dog food, said Severa to her mother from the past. <laughs> so they, the thing that I actually really, I mean, Severa's fun because her character is just like so over the top. Like it's hard mm-hmm. not to like her. But I do think there's something interesting going on with like, she's like very resentful of her mother, like getting so much attention. But she's also like so traumatized by like losing both her parents yeah. and like coming from this ruined future that she's right. like resisting getting to know them and a lot of her supports both cordelia and robin are like her dropping her guard down and being like i'm just so happy to see you again like i mm. thought you, i didn't want to disappoint you oh and it's like that's so nice dude you go on your own in the middle of the map you killed that dude in red armor who's like a god or something like you're fine <laughs> you're doing great I made Felix you a hero energy. class. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. She's got like the delivery of Hilda with the soul of Felix. Her and Morgan as sisters is so funny because Morgan's like, I don't have any of my memories. <laughs> I, is my nose bleeding? What's going on? This is so fun. She's like, did you fucking forget me again? Like, it's just oh like so good. It's it's like not healthy, but it's just such a funny family dynamic. So um, no, I'm trying to think. So my Severa father yeah. is Lanchu, who and it worked Ooh, out yeah. so well because. I I made her into an assassin. Um, and so her stats are like kind of unreal. Like she basically can't get hit because her luck is so high. Yeah. Which is- Every enemy has like a 40% chance to make zero damage happen, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is just so funny to read. No, I feel like I just sort of like, yeah, I'm the same. I throw her in front of a crowd and I'm just like, cool, have at her. Yeah. <laughs> that was also my pairing, by the way. Really? Yeah. I felt like it was like kind of obscure. So I'm really glad to hear that. I was I was very into that pairing specifically because Lanchu's whole thing is that uh, he's a afraid of women and like right. that's like his like funny personality yeah. that's his personality <laughs> is that he's afraid of women and can't talk to them i mean i feel like everyone's personality is just like i can't do this one thing and it's like that's not a personality but like <laughs> as yeah, you totally. were <laughs> yeah uh so my my whole thing was like okay i'm gonna pair him with cordelia who is like the like extremely confident woman who is riding this pegasus mm-hmm. i was like let me let me just like have this woman and like is also sort of obsessed with crom yeah like like, she's not going to be concerned with Wang Chu. And then it turns out he's also, frankly, hotter than Krom, IMO. And <laughs> oh, totally. Big agree. Maybe they'll smooch. First of all, <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I think that I think it's a very natural pairing. Uh, what, what's that, what was that guy's name? Old uh, old Hubba? Oh, Hubba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, so just a quick thing, because I, I found this, like, 15 hours into my playthrough. Uh, in the <laughs> start menu of Fire Emblem Awakening, when you load your save, if you go into extras instead of actually playing the video game, you can talk to an old man named Old Hubba, and then you can have him look at the pairings that you're considering, and he'll tell you how he feels about them. And uh, what I found is that all the people I had married off are not supposed to be together. But okay, I will say I find that he doesn't like most pairings. Like very rarely is he like, yeah, that's that's, that's cool. interesting. I, I well, my my question was, is he actually pointing you towards like? No, it's just random from what I know. It's just completely it have, random. Yeah, it doesn't have any implication of like what's a good pairing i thought that he was I pointing I you towards like whatever the canon pairing was not at all i from don't what I know. think so i i yeah. would like to think that but i don't think this game was built that sophisticated <laughs> anyway my point was gonna be fuck old hubba i think that that dude shouldn't be in this video game and if anything i think into the aether is now an anti old hubba podcast 
Yeah, old hubba is not canon. Don't listen to his advice. Also, I will say we've been talking for twenty minutes and have gotten through three pairs. So if we want to, uh, why don't we? Why don't we just list out all our pairs real quick? <laughs> yeah, okay. And then we'll get into the questions. Does that work? Yeah, that, yeah, that's probably good. Okay, so I'll go first. So I already said uh, uh, a Stephen, as I named him, was with Cordelia. Crom <laughs> uh, with Sumia. Donald with Sully. How was the Donald Sully thing? We don't have to get super I, into it. I also have a Donald Sully. Whoa, I'm interested in that. They were kind of fun because they're both sort of like. Uh, Donald is like a country boy and Sully mm-hmm. is like a sort of a knight that doesn't like the whole the scene yeah yeah chivalry so they're both like they both kind of share what it's like with life on the farm or in a castle I, I love they're that. just both so down to earth that they just connect and them do you guys as- know about the term femdom <laughs> <laughs> I, vaguely, but it might be. Yeah, I, yeah that, that's just her whole life. <laughs> I love the way she goes like, yeah. Like, that's my favorite line Sully had. She's like, yeah. yeah. Very just natural pairing. I, I think they just sort of gradually went well. And Kiel is their daughter is fun. And she's like broken because Donald's her father. Oh, I have an incredible Kiel because of Donald, yeah. honestly. Um, I also set Kiel up with Owain, who is the son of oh, Frederick and Lissa. One of my favorite pairings was Frederick Cher- and Lissa. She- Interesting. Okay. That kind of happened by accident just because like I needed to protect her in the beginning mm-hmm. and then they got together. Shershi and Gregor, surprise hit of the run. Like they have such fun supports. Yeah. Gregor saved her wyvern like in the past. Like he was on a Minerva. mercenary mission. <laughs> yeah. And and all the mercenaries were hired to kill the wyvern when it was a baby, but he saw that it had lost its parents. So he turned against the other mercenaries and like saved Minerva. He loves Shershi, but he's also afraid of heights. So he like goes on the mm. wyvern for her. And he's like, if I focus on you, it won't be as scary. Um, so good. I, I, I will say on my end, uh, just very quickly, because it's the last two people you mentioned, I actually paired Donald and Cherche together, oh, mm. fun. which had a really, really, really cool pairing because his whole thing is like, I was raised on a farm and I like really know a lot about farm animals, but I have no idea how to like train a dragon. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> By DreamWorks Pictures. Um, how did your Jerome turn out? Uh, never met him. Oh, got it. But I did enjoy Donald like learning how to tame a dragon in 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 mm. real life. <laughs> and by real life, I guess I mean Fire Emblem. But that's, that's where my head's at. Is that this is real life? Okay, I'll I'll, I'll fire through. Here. I'll fire through my next ones yeah, pretty quickly. Uh, I set up Gaius with Pan, the, the thief who loves candy with the rabbit woman, and okay. their son is Yarn. I set up. Maribel with uh, Rickon and their son is Brady, the punk priest. <laughs> and who else? Let's see. Um, Lucina and Jerome are a couple, mm. which is kind of fun because Jerome is like Nightwing, basically. Um, and he's like, I can't get to know any of you. The past is the, the future in the past. And Lucina's like, do you want to go out? <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. I think those are all my... So it's Frederick and Lissa, Pan and Gaius, Gregor and Shershi. Uh, Sumia and Krom, Cordelia and Stephen, uh, and then Owain and Kiel and Lucina and Jerome are like the two like, oh, and Morgan and Brady are a couple, uh, oh, which I love. I love Morgan that. and Brady are very fun together. I'm very interested in how many of the kids you paired up. Yeah, Just those I have three. not gone to any of my I didn't focus on up. that literally at all, yeah. I have a close one, but no one's like actually you know, declared their intentions yet. <laughs> yeah. Alana, who'd you pair up? All right. So I have Chrome and Robin. Uh, Henry and Olivia actually made an incredible and broken Inigo or Inigo. Oh, Inigo's great. Yeah. He has, I mean, his skills are like completely maxed out. He has Gale Force and he has um, whatever the one like that recovers his uh, life taker that recovers his like HP. At the oh, end. So yeah. So he's like, he's like very unstoppable. I have Donald and Sully. I have Libra and Brady, which made like a really, really cool. Whoa. 
or uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Libra. Yeah. Maribel and Libra, which made a really cool Brady. I have um, Gaius and Tharja, which made an incredible noir. And then let's see what else. And then Lanchu and Cordelia. I think Lucina is going to end up dating Owain. They're at like A right now. And they're, they're, oh, that's fun. They're really flirting. Um, <laughs> Is there anyone else? Uh, Owain and Kiel are fun because Owain just recites. He's like, sword hands twitching, and she, yeah. hide, she hides in her armor like a turtle. It's totally. very funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, oh, um, Kellum and Nawi, which is like not something I necessarily want to like cop to on the larger internet. Made a, <laughs> made a really good nah. Uh, it turns out if you Google Nawi, you're going to get some weird shit, so don't do it. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. Whole other well, there's a lot of stuff about like she's 12, but is she actually a thousand? And I'm like, I don't need to participate I mean, it's the that. most yeah. classic <laughs> shitty anime trope. Is, yeah, no, yeah. it's not something that I feel the need to uh, to give yeah. voice to. Um, and then, yeah, Frederick and Sumia uh, Ooh, are that's together. A fun one. And it's really Sumia. sweet. He's, like, really, like, nice and protective of her. And, like, my, like, my Cynthia's not, like, amazing, but she's, like, really, like, gung-ho, which I appreciate. That's kind of how my Owain is, which is, like, even better yeah. for him. <laughs> He's good, though. He's good yeah, no matter exactly. what. exactly. Oh, and then and then the last one is um, My Cherche Married Vake, and they have a really, <gasps> love, a really lovely Jerome, and they're just, uh, like, really, like, basic and, like, aggro together. <laughs> I love that. Vake dying was the most heartbreaking thing, but again, I don't know uh, what it is. He's, like, he doomed <laughs> on every run I do. Yeah, I didn't use him literally at all uh, in my playthrough. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I got, like, kind of into making sure that every like <laughs> fertile mother <laughs> like, <laughs> like had a child which feels like so fucked up to say and I'm gonna regret saying it but like I was basically like who do I pair you up with that makes sense that yeah. makes sense yeah. I mean mostly I just wanted the game to go on so long like once I realized that the paralogues for the children were yes. so fun and so weird and like frankly I think the hardest and best battles in the game totally, I was like yeah. It would be silly to miss out on pairing you up with someone such that I could like experience this, which I like mean, yeah. is not excusable, but was fun. <laughs> no, I mean it's taken me three runs. I, I still haven't seen all the kids' parallels. I haven't seen mm-hmm. uh, Noir or uh, Nas. I mean, Noir is like certainly in my like front force. Like she is so powerful and so good. Like having an archer who has also got good defense is like yeah. kind of unheard of in a Fire Emblem game. I feel yeah, like. totally. that's a that's really good. Oh, I'm obsessed with her. She's like always one of the first units I pick. The last run I did, I had Cynthia and Inigo. Um, actually, the last run I did, Crom ended up with Olivia, so Inigo mm. is like unstoppable. Wait, what? How did you arrange that? This is okay. This is something I will say. So I like did go on the message boards to just like see what people cared about and like what people thought were good like pairings, but like. How do you make a Crom and Olivia happen? Like he has to talk to no other women. Pretty much, yeah. It's it's a, it's a challenging <laughs> thing. I remember seeing that it was like you know it was it was an interesting way to make Lucina like have different abilities. Mm. I mean, Olivia's such an interesting character. I tried to set her up with Long Q, but for whatever reason, I stopped using Long Q at a certain point and could not get him up to level. Like mm. I even just like okay, let me reclass you as a ninja, and he just could not catch up with the rest. So like I'm like okay, I missed that run. But that's kind of like honestly, even though it is fun to get all of them in one run, it does add to the replay value to be like okay, I'm going to see like totally. these four characters and focus on them. Yeah, I was trying to do Olivia and Donald for a little bit, and then it ended up just not working out. I just had to like bench Olivia. Should I go through mine? Yeah, please. Yeah, go for it, please. 
So I, I guess just going through like the list as I'm looking at it on my Nintendo 3DS entertainment system. Um, <laughs> uh, Chrome, so we already went through. Uh, Lissa, I paired up with Gaius. Uh, I really like the idea of like her as a princess and Gaius as like literally a thief, like out in the wilds uh, getting together, mm. um, which made for just like the wildest away impossible. Um, yeah. Really had a great time with that. Um, I also just to to jump in on this, like loved the supports between Owain and Lissa specifically. Like I love yeah. like she is so young as a person, but the way she's like, I need to care for this person as if they're family, even though it's like very strange for me to be this young and also like technically right, a mother right. in a strange way was like actually really kind of heartwarming in a way that I thought was going to be creepy and like turned around and became great. Lissa, I think, is actually maybe one of the best written characters, certainly totally one great. of the best written female characters in yeah. this whole game. Yeah, I, I was like such a big fan of of the way that turned out no brandon i think you really hit the nail on the head where she's like maternal but also like desirous of being taken care of which is like a really hard dynamic to nail and i think they really got it with the writing of her yeah just to like uh, i I guess like the most bullet pointed version of it possible is like the support scene between the two of them is essentially like he demands that she names her weapon something is like you need you need to come up with like a really incredible name for your weapon you know so you can imbue it with some kind of character so it can like live on past you and he, and she's like I'm just gonna name it after you because you're important and like that was so that was so heartwarming and nice <laughs> that like makes me want to cry I know also like it it's just so cute because Owain loves her so much yeah also just like real quick to set up Owain because a lot of questions are about Owain so we'll, we'll talk about him oh, more okay. but yeah, like yeah, yeah. Owain is maybe my favorite character in fiction. Oh, he 10,000%. He refers to his hand. He goes, sword hand can't stop twitching. And like he says yeah. names of other Fire Emblem games as if they're super moves. He'll be like sacred stones and attack. It's unbelievable. And like he uh, he's just he's like he never stopped playing D&D. And like mm. I think he's like self-aware in a way that like makes me feel like the game is aware of how silly it is without debasing it. Like yes. he is a powerful unit. What he's doing is genuinely cool even though it's silly and the game knows it and that's like a microcosm of the series to me yeah Steven, uh, i feel like that's actually a really like salient summary of how i feel about this whole game that it's like yeah. very aware of the places where it's silly or the places where it goes too far or the places where it's like look we know you guys have like run out of caring about the plot but like stay with us for a little while right like yeah and, no I, I think that that's actually like a really good way to put it and i think owen is like capturing that sentiment <laughs> absolutely <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad we're all on the same Owain page. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I loved him. I did not think I would. And then I was just like, you're my boy. Yeah. He's incredible. I'm very interested to see the questions or to hear the questions mm. about him. One quick mm. thing about Owain, too. In Fates, he shows up again, but under mm. an alias as like a dark wizard and goes like, my darkness is darker than yours. And he casts a spell. Whoa. It's very it's like, silly. Oh, Fine. <laughs> yeah, I think his name is Odin in Fates, but it's like clearly a Wayne masquerading as a magician. Right. Oh my so god, funny. that's awesome. Yeah. Sorry, Brendan, <laughs> as you were. Uh, yeah. Don, Don all I had was Cherche, as we mentioned. Um, let's see who else. Robin, I paired with Muriel, um, which was mm. which was an interesting choice. My whole my whole thought was just like, okay, Muriel is like a very like calculated person, and her pairing up with the strategist just made sense to me. Um, mm-hmm. Also, they're both mages, like whatever, you know. They, I they, like yeah. that thinking. Yeah. Yeah, they can get along over that. 
um, which created um, a very, very interesting Laurent, specifically because I don't, I don't know if you went down the like Laurent support path, but at least what I saw in Laurent support path with Robin as, you know, Robin being the father was Laurent showed up five years before all of the other kids because time travel got like real weird and Yo. was just like essentially alone for five years like didn't have anyone to like talk to or really like hang out with like had no friends had no family no nothing and and in the like very first support scene like throws that out just like as like a, a quick anecdote amongst the like story he's telling and robin's like wait wait wait, 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 wait. tell me more about this and then you know as, as you continue uh maxing out those supports uh you hear more about like how that happened and what it was like for him to just live alone for five years it was so heartbreaking and really wow. wonderful how it kind of all like wraps up the laura and muriel support not as interesting <laughs> i'll be honest Brennan, this th- i was gonna say this is so fascinating to me because laurent was like if, if i had to rank the kids i would say he was the most throwaway of all the child yeah. units like like not even in terms of like strength like kind of whatever can He's always just another... again yeah exactly he is a clone of muriel yeah. like i i paired my muriel with stall they had like a fine relationship whatever he had a little more defense like i i was not (laughs) i was not particularly like taken by him that is so interesting to hear like now here's the thing like as an obsessive i sort of want to replay the game and pair robin up with like every possible person to see like what the kid turns out like and i i do understand that like i could watch youtube videos but what if i played the game 14 times (laughs) (laughs) i do like though that all the kids are traveling through time differently like jerome's Mm. whole thing is that he only went to that portal to release minerva back Mm because he didn't want minerva to be killed oh wow and so like he doesn't want to be there i actually think Minerva should be a character in this game. Like, yeah. the more she talks about her, the more, like, I want to see Minerva on screen. <laughs> totally. And I think, just real quick, like, Minerva's Jerome... the wyvern for anyone who's a... <laughs> <laughs> right, Minerva's the wyvern. But Jerome, like, not wanting to be there, paired with Lucina, who's, like, the leader, was kind of a cool thing. Mm. Anyway, I'm sorry, Brendan. Your pairings. No, it's cool. I'm, I'm taking a long time, because uh, I, I had a lot of thoughts when I was pairing these people up. But, uh, anyway, Tharja, uh, I paired with Kellum, uh, wh- mm. which I just thought was funny because Kellum is you know the night like the most nobody guy yeah, yeah that nobody notices and I was like I'm gonna pair you with like the most fucking hot topic goth chick right like the big titty goth GF in, yeah. In yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> like that was exactly my thought um, I'll tell you both my plan for this episode was to not bring up Kellum once just to commit to the joke that no one notices him that's Kellum's personality is that everyone no one knows he's there so all the supports are like what ghost moved my stuff and Kellum's like I moved it I was here I've been here for days yeah shit now I, uh, I, I wish ah uh, fuck I ruined it I ruined the bit I it's feel okay. like he's such a like lame nerd though where it's like no yeah we know <laughs> like, can yeah. I tell you the like, bet here, stop, here's the thing like, calling attention to your like lack of attention <laughs> calling like I'm bored of you. <laughs> I do agree with that. I will I will say this to the two of you and to anyone listening who is thinking about playing Fire Emblem <laughs> Awakening again. My biggest gamer pro tip for Fire Emblem Awakening is uh, <laughs> reclass Kellum as a thief and he will Ooh. fucking rip. This is an amazing tip. Kellum as a thief is so much better than Gaius that like just bench Gaius forever. Yo, use Kellum Brandon, as a thief This is instead. useful because I could never make Gaius work. I kept trying to train him up to be like a second Anna essentially so I could like send him out yeah. to like burgled chests and open doors and he kept dying. Like this is really useful. Kellum as a thief, ridiculously good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I paired him in Tharja just because I thought it was fun. Um, and then the last one I guess is Virian and Nawi, which sucks. 
outside of that, I didn't pair anyone else up um, because mm. what I what I decided pretty early on was like I'm going to focus on a few key members of mm. my team and I'm going to pair them up specifically, get their kids and then everyone else that I like didn't really feel like using. I just was going to kind of leave on the bench and be OK with. Um, yeah, that's kind of what yeah. I realized at a certain point when I was trying to catch Long Q and Olivia up. I'm like, it's not their run. You know, I had an yeah, ego exactly. last time. It's OK. Yeah. No, I, I think that that's like the attitude I'm going to take in future runs because like, spoiler alert, I think I'm going to do the same thing with this game that I did with three houses. Like, <laughs> like, right. Like, I think if I'd been like, I'm only going to play three houses two times, like, of course I would recruit everyone and try and like max out supports and whatever. But that's like actually not a fun or even particularly like useful way to play the game. Mm. And like, I think now that I know how it works and now that I played half a run where I did not know to match anyone up and now I've played a full run where I've like matched everyone possible up, <laughs> like the answer is the middle ground, right? Yeah. Where it's like, yeah. okay, just like invest in the people you want to invest in, get the kids you're like really concerned about, but like don't worry about it otherwise. Also, now that I've like seen all the paralogs, I think I'm not going to be as like pressed to do it. Mm. Like. Yeah. It, it's interesting to sort of like so much of Fire Emblem is FOMO where it's like, you're, like truly like you're so worried about like, what if I don't see the support? What if I don't see this, you know, match be made? What if I don't get this particular skill? And the answer is always like, you're just going to play again, like because yeah. you're, in, you're enthralled to this. Um, and, and that's actually been like very liberating to realize. <laughs> I remember the first time I actually what an earlier run. I paired Kellum with Cordelia, which looking back, mm. I'm like, why did I do that to either of them? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I could not recruit Severa like I, that. That's mm-hmm. probably the hardest paralog because she's. Oh my god, Severa is so hard to get. Yeah, I mean she's so worth it, but like she's running on one side of a giant like impossible maze, map. Yeah, and every enemy is like an enemy that's like I can attack through walls and do an instant kill mm-hmm. move. So you have to like realize that the game wants you to make two teams and also happen to have the rescue oh, skill. Steven, I had to put two thirds of my team on the Severus side. Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. I, just, just to be completely frank, the, the way that I understood the paralogs, because I went to that one, that was the first one that I tried. Like as soon as I unlocked oh all the God. kids' paralogs. The first one you tried was the Severus one? Yeah. I, I was like, oh, okay, cool. This is paralog number 10 because they're all numbered. I'm sorry. Like, that's like the equivalent of the Marianne paralog in three houses yeah, yeah it was it was absolutely. very silly but i i didn't know i had no idea so i went to go do that one first and i was like oh this is really hard and then i quit it because i was like okay i'll, I'll come back and try this later my assumption was that they were numbered in a way that denoted difficulty so that <laughs> that this was paralog number 10 that meant that this was like number 10 in terms of the difficulty and i should not try 11 12 13 14 15 oh which are all like walks in the park which yeah. i then found out later because i just like tried one on a whim and was like, oh, wait, this was really easy. I think just this number 10 one is really hard for no reason. <laughs> the only other tricky one I found was Cynthia's because you have to like talk to her at the right time. Otherwise, she attacks you and you'll end up killing her. Mm-hmm. But that's like a little bit. It's like not like this. Everyone is designed to be a nightmare. The Cynthia one is just sort of like arbitrarily tricky right, in one moment. Right. Yeah, I was proud, though. In the yarn one, which you can choose to side with one army or the other, I took on both armies and mm. I did fine. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, Yarn was like maybe my VIP of this entire run. Who was his father again? Gregor. Oh, nice. Also, I will say Gregor and Pan had such wonderful interactions because they're both like, we're foreigners. We don't understand what's going on. These people are being very stupid. We would love to make out with each other. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, Um, I forgot Gregor existed and I I love him. Like, he's such a breath of fresh air. That's the thing. He's not like an amazing unit, but he is so great in terms of like being a guy. (laughs) 
I, I so appreciate that he has the same joke literally every time. He's like, but how much are you going to pay me? Just kidding. Yeah, but what totally. if you did pay me? <laughs> He's like, but I'm a mercenary and I have a cost. Yeah. Um, no, he and uh, Penn are like such a wonderful couple. And like, I didn't use her a ton, but I use yarn in like literally every battle. Also, awesome. like, I, I'm a knitter. Like, I gotta. <laughs> yarn also goes, don't mess with the bunny, which is very good. Uh, it's so, very yeah. funny that they're half bunny like yeah. they could have been half wolf they could have been half tiger and instead they're just like <laughs> uh, dear, dear listener you did not see me uh put my teeth in front of my lip in a in a really attractive way that everyone found alluring but i did <laughs> anyway is that it for pairings so we could do cover that's mm-hmm. it for pairings i i can't wait I to move so. on to questions i'm so interested in what yeah, people ask us yeah sounds all right, great uh we will see you all very soon back with questions. Also, just a quick thanks to everyone who sent us these questions. There are a lot of really fun ones. We'll be back real soon. Sweet. Goodbye. Welcome back to the show. We were actually like literally in the break just talking a little bit about how we all didn't beat the game uh, in preparation for this recording. I'll say the point that I decided I wasn't going to beat the game was when they asked me to find the five crystals uh, that would, you know, do something, something, something dragon. And I was like, no, thank you. Uh, I actually don't care as much about this as I care about pairing all the people up and meeting all of their children. Yeah, I mean, I think like like we kind of touched on. I think the heart of the story is the Lucina scene coming back. Absolutely, and and everything else is just sort of like fun situations for them. I will say the final battle is very exciting because you're on a dragon's back, like while it's oh, happening. Oh, so you're fighting like on a moving dragon. That gets back to how cool the environments are in this game versus yes. three houses, right? Like I, yeah. I'm just the one I keep thinking about is there's this one battle. I think it's with uh, against the general who has like the big mustache who's like obsessed with his. <laughs> own mustache and it's on this like it's on this like big gigantic tree that reminds me a lot of dragon quest 11 s echoes of elusive age definitive edition for the nintendo switch now available for xbox game pass um that also (laughs) has this like strange like ethereal kind of starscape in between the roots that is like so cool to maneuver because it's like four distinct paths that you have to send your troops up really cool there's another one with, with this like kind of lava that breaks away as you're running along it it's like there, there's one. so many interesting environmental twists in this game that are not uh three houses at all and i was so shocked to find them here in awakening it's like why wouldn't you bring that forward and there's some fun like mini challenges too like in the lava map there are chests that are like yeah you know if you want to like get to them if you feel confident enough to like risk bringing your troops that far down you you can do it yeah which if you have gaius and kellum as a thief uh <laughs> you can send one on each path and then open up all the chests one after the other and baby you're rolling in dough i will say kellum as a thief is like a revelation to me and something that i'm definitely gonna try and reclass it's really gonna games. fuck you up lana i'm excited i just for had a, a revelation where like his whole personality is not being noticed he's begging to be a thief like mm. he'd be perfect that for was it. my thought exactly was i used i love that i used I the second that. seal on him and i was like oh my god thief his whole life he's been training to be a thief without realizing it of course so 
I, I will say in general, this game is really interesting when it comes to classing characters. Like, mm. it seems like they all have a very natural path and like you should be, you know, leveling them up and sort of giving them advancements when it comes to their like, you know, whatever critical path. But it actually feels like so much of the time real success comes when you're like, how could I use someone more creatively? Or yeah. how could I like, honestly, like, quote unquote, downgrade them to something that like seems less than their abilities, but like actually will give them a little more like, you know, something to sink their teeth into later on. Like totally. that's been really interesting and feels really different than Three Houses where it's very linear. Like this, you feel like you have very few opportunities really to like advance someone or sort of like take them back to a point where they could advance. And that's totally. really interesting. I feel like Three Houses did a great thing, like visually displaying what was a promotion or not, you mm-hmm. know? Because mm-hmm. um, I think like, unless you're told outwardly, like second seals are to switch an equivalent class Master mm-hmm. Seals are too advanced. Like, you wouldn't really know that intuitively. Absolutely. I didn't realize that until I was playing the second time around. Right. And, and, even, <laughs> and even then, like, you do lose something a lot of the time on second seals. But because of the way level advancement works, like, people can only level up to a certain degree. And so, like, if you keep leveling them up, they're going to, like, hit a cap, essentially. Totally. But like you said, Alana, it's way more about the abilities you get from the class mm-hmm. than maybe mm-hmm. even the class itself. Yeah. And what's weird, too, about Three Houses is that I have, like, a laundry list of things. Like anytime someone tells me they're going to play three houses, I'm like, okay, here are the things the game doesn't tell you that you really need to know. One, dancer, not a fun beat. It will be permanently their class forever. <laughs> so think about that. <laughs> Two, Edelgard route optional. Three. Huh. Oh yeah, that's, that. I'm always like chapter 11. Make yeah. sure you're <laughs> In the equivalent of January, talk to Edelgard like, and say unless yes. Unless you want to be a fucking boot licker. You unlock the ability to choose. <laughs> otherwise you're going to do the church. Um, I'm so glad to have both of you on in this episode. Oh my God. Yeah, we're just like really chill people doing really chill conversations. <laughs> but the other thing is, I always say like master classes are not always a clear promotion because mm. like yeah. there are like sniper to bow knight is not inherently better. Like Keith it's Felix that assassin. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like there's not always a clear promotion. Right. So, um, but, you know, Mercedes is like the Gremory or whatever. Amazing. Mm. Like do that. But don't do Felix as a bow knight. Anyway, questions? Yeah. I feel like we were like heading towards the end of a point. I don't want to like cut that short. No, no, I love it. I I think that we are, we have run out of being articulate to the point where uh, (laughs) it would be great if other people could guide us down that path. (laughs) That's, we need, we need a Byleth or a Robin or even, I'll take a Corrin. Steven, you you don't want a Rhea at this point? (laughs) I Look, noted Raya lover Stephen Hilger. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say it. I feel nothing for the church. Anyway, let's go to the awakening <laughs> questions. That's not true. Seth is kind of cool. At Plot Twist on Twitter asks, "Why do I romance Crom every time? Am I cursed? Blessed?" And then serious question: What are your favorite awakening characters? I want to say you're. Can blessed. you can you ask that question again? Because I keep thinking about how you just said Seth was kind of cool. Um, I need <laughs> you to go back and ask the question again. I <laughs> I, I really got hung up on that. <clears throat> Why do I romance Krom every time? Mm. Am I cursed? Blessed? And then serious question, what are your favorite Awakening characters? 
So I'll I'll take the initiative here. I'm going to say you're blessed because Crom is a, like, as we've mentioned before, Robin Crom, I think, makes the story more interesting. I think it makes it really does. the major beats with Lucina even more emotional and the later beats with Lucina even more kind of, yeah. you know, it, it puts Lucina in a very hard position. Alana, you having uh, put Crom and Robin together out of curiosity, did you get to that beat with Lucina where she's like, I got to oh, kill yeah. Robin? No. How, how did that go yeah. with that relationship. It's really fascinating. Like, frankly, I think that they just sort of insert the word mother at strategic points, but like it really worked (laughs) on me. Yeah. And like, I don't know, I think it also gives Morgan a context in a way that like Mm. he or she could otherwise not have. Like that character could be sort of just like a precocious little hanger on. And instead, when you make them like the sibling to Lucina and the child of Krom, it gives them sort of like a tragic end point. Yeah. Especially when you consider like Robin's backstory. I I don't know. I, I like the thought of like the royal family altogether. Also like... Here's the thing. Crom is like hot and compelling. Like if that is what is the question, like <laughs> why do I want to romance Crom? It's because like he is the guy who's around <laughs> and like that's fine and cool. <laughs> you also get like a really high fidelity like cutscene of his face when you reach mm-hmm. S rank. Like a, like yeah. no one else got the same budget. You get like full mm-hmm. 3D Crom like right. I love you. Yeah. Right, like I would I would love the three houses like goddess tower of Crom, you know? I will say this, I just got a flashback <laughs> in Fates when you romance someone, you can just sort of hang out with them, and if you blow on the DS, their hair like ruffles in the wind. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> really? I romance like the ninja guy and he's Maybe like Maybe I will play face. Yeah, he's like, My heart flutters um, for you. You guys, what if Nintendo is the best company that ever existed? <laughs> <laughs> but you can just sort of blow their hair. No ethical consumption under capitalism. But if you're playing a Nintendo game <laughs> on the Nintendo 3DS and you blow into the microphone and the hair yeah. swirls. Yeah. No, yeah. I think Crumb is like a very worthy character to be compelled by. Like, I totally. don't think anyone should feel guilty or like they were swayed. Like, I think he yeah. is thoughtful and interesting and like has a backstory in a way that frankly, like very few other characters in this game have. So and I like, think you make a great point. <laughs> I think you make a great point that like it's medieval times and you're hot mm-hmm. and he's hot and like, why not? Also yeah. like, yeah, we're all going to die at 25 and he seems to have access to a bath. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do know. So the scene where Lucina back. So basically like Robin is revealed to be like a vessel for the big bad. And yeah, Lucina we didn't, is we didn't I, talk about this. At yeah. Lucina is like, if I kill Again, Robin. It's like a crucial part of the story. But like, is it? <laughs> not really. But it, it's more of a MacGuffin for the moment. We're like, Lucina is like, if I kill Robin, I can prevent this from happening. Um, yeah. If Lucina is like you said, if, if she's robin's daughter she backs down on her own mm-hmm. in other runs crom convinces her not to yeah so crom is like i oh, have that's so interesting i have enough faith in robin that like they will overcome whatever you're worried so is gonna i happen. will say so i have a choice as robin to basically be like you can kill me or you can't Whoa. oh my god oh yeah and i i i said no because i was like i think that this is where it's gonna end up anyway and i want to see how lucina deals with it yeah i almost wish i'd saved previously so i could see what happens if i I was like, yeah, just fucking come at me. Kill me. <laughs> yeah, do it. But she has a cutscene where Lucina is basically like, I'm sorry, I can't do this. And I think that that would happen either way. Yeah. Mm. But I, I, it's very interesting. And and again, like going back to the original question, like I think that the the relationships are almost like tangential to like 
Lucina's sense of like duty and like resilience. Like she doesn't want to kill anyone. She just like wants her dad to survive and she yeah. wants like the world to be and, better. And she's and, terrified like, of this not yeah. being worth it. Like she's she's constantly faced with events in the story that were like she prevented something, but it ended up happening anyway. Right. Which is like a really cool plot. I mean, Lucina is the Edelgard in a lot of ways. Like Lucina is very much like, I don't want this to happen, but I have to do it because like the good of the world is at stake. Yeah. And like, I need to feel like I have lived my life to like, I don't know, the most like, what would you call it? Like reverent possible end? Like, I, I don't know. Like it, yeah, it's really- Yeah, both characters have yeah. put their whole personal wants and right. needs second to whatever their mission is. It's very, it's very dutiful. That's what it yes. is. It's very much like I am, I am adherent to this duty that I have like given to myself. And like, what do I do if I can't reach it? I, I can't live any longer. I yeah. will say a, a great end to that arc for Lucina, even though like the A plot is fine. Um, there's a moment where like the, the two cons who I love, they're mm-hmm. the head of the Ferox nation. Oh my God, like, they're so fun. Yeah, they're so, they're so fun. I really um, love and them. Basilio is like, he's going to go on like the mission that leads troops to like distract the enemy. And Lucina is like, you can't go. I know you die if you go on this mission. And he's like, well, I, I got to go. Like our plan depends, like someone needs to go. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. going to do it. I think that's the most moving scene in the game is him and his like wife or, you know, girlfriend yeah. or whatever being like, we just are like at an impasse and like, it sucks that I have to lose you. <laughs> yeah. It's so silly how much of the plot of this game is like completely forgettable, but the character moments within that plot are so yes. powerful. Are like and this, wrenching. Yeah. yeah. And this is one of them where like the plot of what's happening here is not interesting at all, but that character is wild because the, his art, right. when you first meet him, he is, he's the leader of this country and mm-hmm. you literally like fight in a, in like gladiatorial combat to overthrow <laughs> him as the leader. And you're like, ha ha. I beat you fucking asshole weird man with the, your strange facial hair uh, and then you end up you know he he sacrifices mm-hmm. himself for you like you know 10 missions later right and, and his like girlfriend wife concubine is yeah. just like yeah like I would die for this man but I can't like actually do that because I have to leave my people <laughs> yeah it's all it's all character arcs and no plot <laughs> is really what's happening here which is and, very and hard to do when mm-hmm. he gets killed in that scene it's in a battle like it's not a cutscene oh. like they show you the battle which yeah. is so powerful Steven I actually think that that is such a key part of this game and yeah. that's something that I like really would love people to pay attention to that like right like you watch his like health gauge depleting yes. and that is so much more powerful than just like a cutscene of like a sword going through his heart like watching his health meter yeah. go down to one and you're like oh I think he's gonna make it and then it goes down to zero is so much more wrenching because the game has just like trained you to find that wrenching totally it, it just it just reminds me so much of how 13 sentinels was aware of the of the like the mechanic the yeah the medium of video games Mm. and how you can use that to tell like really heart-wrenching stories and like really kind of dial in on why characters are interesting and 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 tell that through mechanics and not just dialogue Mm. and not just cutscenes. that moment was like oh shit the developers of this game are like on a completely different level in terms of how they're thinking about the mechanics of Fire Emblem and how they can use that to tell a story. And that ties into their attachment to the permadeath, I think, because it's like exactly. you've seen yes. your own units go down that way. Can I spoil that plot, if you don't mind? Spoil like, all of it. We, we've I, already I, I said think, this is all spoilers. I think we're already in it. Yeah. Um, so, so that moment's really heart-wrenching. And then, of course, when they hear the news, they mourn him. And that adds to Lucina's whole thing of like, I failed. Like, I tried to warn him. I tried to prevent that from happening. And it still happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
But then you go to fight the big bad and he's like, see, even with all your kids in the future, you couldn't prevent this. I'm here. I'm evil. And then you hear Basilio. He says this out loud. It's one of the few fully voiced lines of dialogue. He goes, enough of that destiny hogwash. And he survived. He like, even though you see him go down the moment, you think he's dead because Luciana warned him. He was able to like foresee the event enough to like duck and roll. And it's like, it sounds cheesy, but it's so like you see the you hear the relief and like see the relief in Lucina that she did make a difference. Mm. And like just by saving one person, they turn the tide of battle, which is exactly what you're doing the entire game. And like it is such a beautiful moment right. and it's so inspiring. I mean, it's you not, love it's the not a comic too. book death. It's not like a, it's, yeah. it's not like, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to do the whole the whole legal rigmarole, but it's 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 not the whole like, <laughs> you know, superhero dies and they show up 100 issues later and it turns out that they survived due to some like weird fucking thing this is like in the moment it feels so believable that somehow he was able to survive and it's the most triumphant shit it was like yelling at my small handheld console kind of situation which i didn't expect at all i expected yeah. like let me be completely honest with with the two of you and and dear listener <laughs> i expected this episode to be me sitting back saying nothing and the two of you just like having like an extremely impassionate conversation about this franchise that you both love dearly and like i'm i kind of like but i'm on the outset of and what ended up happening in the playing of awakening was like no i might be on your level i just like haven't played enough to get there yet i think it's a game that really like forces you but that sounds actually maybe more aggressive than i wanted to like impels you to care about it Mm. it's like if you have gotten this far you are invested in a certain way and like i think that that's something like not to be too cheesy but like i was really looking for a year and a half ago and i certainly am looking for now that like i didn't always know how to like flip that switch in my own body or brain to be like you know what like i want to really invest in these characters i want to really know where this thing goes on a day-to-day basis and like i found it really useful frankly to have a video game that was just like you know what like it matters if these people survive day-to-day it matters if you win these battles it matters if you are making the right choices like i don't know it it helped my mental health it helped my sort of like general being I i have really felt grateful to fire emblem in a way that like feels again quite cheesy and quite probably overblown but I don't think it's cheesy. I think yeah. I think that makes total sense. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, people are so attached to these characters, even when yeah. they're giving us like, I'm hungry and we're like, right. I love you. You know, exactly. like, <laughs> my personality is I'm hungry. Anyway, uh, this might be a good time. So uh, why do I romance crime every time? You're blessed. And serious question. Who are your favorite awakening characters? That's oh, my great... God. I forgot there's a second oh, yeah. part of this question. Oh, my God. Oh my Literally, God. sorry for talking for half an hour. No, on, I'm, glad, I'm glad we got into that because honestly, I yeah. think the cons are up there. I think both the cons yeah. are like, I mean, they eventually become playable, but I love mm-hmm. Basilio and uh, mm-hmm. is it Flavia? Yeah. Yeah. Those Flavia are the cons. and Basilio. I mean, I um, think Severa and um, Owain are just yeah. like. Totally. So crucial. And like they came in so late in the game for me. Like they were some of the last playable children that I got. And I was just like, oh, you like have a whole personality. Like you super vibe. Like Severa is so like Sundere. She's so like pissed off and just like, I don't know. Like you're not my real dad. Like, but also just like evolves so much and is so vulnerable when it comes to it. And then Owain is so like flowery and just like wants to talk a big game and then eventually is just like, but what if I showed up in battle and just like was really helpful to my friends and loved ones? Yeah. (laughs) 
I don't know. I he, just like was very moved by those two characters. I think, and, and they're both also like the cosmic opposite approach at time travel, where like Severa mm-hmm. is like trying not to get attached, and Owain's like, "Here I am, yeah. the boy right. from the future. <laughs> My sword hand quivers at the sight of evil." <laughs> you know, like, I just love that. Yeah, I would say, I would say, like in terms of the in terms of the cast, I would say like Lucina, Severa, and Owain for me. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Lucina is like almost a given to me. Right. Yeah, She's, Lucina is just an unbelievable character. The the surprising one for me, and and definitely wasn't for either of you. It's just it just happened to have been like how I picked things was was uh, Laurent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. his his support scenes uh, with his parents were so heart wrenching, and like that's an experience that I got to have because I made a really weird choice as to who I paired with, with Robin, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's a thing that shows up in, in other instances, but like I had that experience and it was really, really shocking. There are a couple situations here and there where I had some support scenes where it was like, my whole night is just maxing out these support scenes because all I want to see is the end of the story. And oh like, I got a hundred percent. Steven, I messaged <laughs> you right before we were recording, but like I was cooking dinner while I was like maxing out the Laurent and Robin support scene. And I like burned my dinner, like literally like <laughs> smoke pouring from a pan in my kitchen because I was just like glued to my 3DS, not even realizing that I was burning the Tibetan beef patty I was reheating. Yo, did you go to Cafe Tibet? Yeah, man. Unbelievable place. Yeah. In terms of the original generation, though, because I think our picks are mostly like the next gen uh, characters mm-hmm. uh, to make it Star Trek, but um, the original cast always make a Star Trek. I would say Lissa is the strongest of Love like the Lissa. core. Yeah. I think Lissa has Hilda energy in that she's just yes. like she's like. What if it was like fun and cute and flirty to also like be at war and like it sucks and it's hard, but like I'm gonna find joy and I'm gonna flirt and I'm gonna like mm. find like I don't know just some kind of connection with other people. Like I am always compelled by characters who can find emotional sucker in times of great distress. Totally. And like I think, and I think Fire Emblem has been a series that is like uniquely poised to give us that. Yeah, and it really does feel like you you can see how they got to three houses from here too, mm-hmm. even though we keep comparing the two. Especially like when you play Fates, you can really see it because that whole game is like I'm very excited to play Fates. Honestly, after it's this. a good time. I mean, and and Corin honestly like Corin this, seems like the natural successor to this. I like Corin as a protagonist more than Robin. I think yeah. even though I like Awakening more, I think Corin. It's weird because Robin is like halfway between like a silent Byleth that we're kind of mm. projecting ourselves into and a scripted protagonist whereas Corin feels like they're very much like a scripted character mm-hmm. um, I will I will say I mean th- this is um, a little bit uh, dipping into our previous episode of the podcast but like thinking a lot about the protagonist of a video game and like what that mm. means and, and the different avenues that you can go down in, in that regard and like Steven you and I have been playing Mass Effect Legendary Edition recently and like that that is a very interesting take on how to make a video game protagonist where like yeah, you are. You have agency over who that person is, but they are also somebody with history who like makes choices that may be antithetical to the way that you personally would make those choices. But it feels right to them. And right. strangely enough, like Robin in Awakening feels very much 
like Shepard in Mass Effect. Totally. In a, in a way I wasn't expecting. Um, when I when I started playing Mass Effect, because I, 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 obviously we've been playing Awakening all month, um, but <laughs> when I picked up Mass Effect, I was like, oh my God, Shepard is, is Robin, but like in, you know, sci-fi Star Trek future. I, I will tell you guys, my real takeaway from recording with you for these last few hours has been like, I'm so excited to pick up Mass Effect. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for you. I mean, there's a reason why I brought the two games up, not yeah. just because yeah. they're out now, but like that there there's definitely a link between the two. Mm. And Persona as well. I mean, I've even seen some people online call Mass Effect Space Persona, which is very funny. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I would say Persona 5 Royal is the game that like hit me the most emotionally of anything I've ever done. Like, yeah, it's a good, it's a big and, one. And yeah. I say that in terms of like movies I've watched and like songs I've listened to. Totally. <laughs> like, no, it's like, like if I had to boil down my sense of like who I am to like its very component parts, like I think Persona 5 Royal might be like the thing. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, not to be like too intense but <laughs> no have you listened to the show all we do is be intense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, hey guys nice to meet you <laughs> no i i totally get that i mean honestly you were saying earlier how three houses kind of got you back into mm. playing games now like that was persona 5 for me the original one yeah yeah that was like before we did this i don't know how i played that game and had no one to talk to about it i remember i tried to talk to my roommate he was like can you go away i'm like busy <laughs> So, yeah, I, I know what it, it's like to feel overcome with passion for something. We also psychologically and preemptively answer the next question by accident. The next question oh. was Chase Alby on Twitter. Fire Emblem games seem to have a main character that is either silent or just a cipher for the player <laughs> oh. or one that has more of a story written into the actual game that the player gets to inhabit. Do you have any preference on which you enjoy more or think is more effective? I think we can still touch on that because I think that like yeah. the preference is still I think that's actually present. a really good way to phrase that question also. Totally. Absolutely. So what do you both think? Weirdly enough, you and I talked a lot about that in the most recent episode of the podcast, uh, at least as, as far as, you know, uh, when we're recording this episode. But our, our episode about Mass Effect 1 specifically kind of like goes into that pretty in depth as far as like my own personal preference between those two. I, I enjoy a more authored experience where I get mm. to make like kind of discrete choices here and there that feel, you know, kind of like narratively important as to how I personally would feel about them. And and I find that there are instances in which developers of video games understand where the player would want to make an emotional choice. Mm -hmm. um, and, and those are the instances in which I want to be making those choices. And if the developer is on is in tune with that um, in terms of the story that they've written, that is when it feels best. The moments in which there is almost entire agency given over to me, the player, is when I get like anxious and I can't deal with it. And like it, it, it overwhelms me in a way where I feel like I could make the wrong choice at any moment, which makes me not want to engage with the content at all. I need I need a really strong blend between the two. And, and I don't really know how to articulate it as well as like Fire Emblem Awakening did a really good job of it. And Mass Effect 1 does a really good job of it. And um, games like Divinity Original Sin 2 do not for me personally although you know it's all personal preference yeah I, I think Brendan that like again I'm sorry to like be talking in terms of Three Houses which is like patently not the game that we are here to talk about but I think that we're like, here to talk about Fire Emblem <laughs> I think that the the failure of the game is making Byleth such an empty shell and I think that the most interesting choice that comes in the game is if you are on the um you know 
the Edelgard path and you yeah. get to decide whether you're siding with her versus the church. Like mm. that is kind of the only time in the game that you are confronted with a choice that like really, I mean, literally it has like the beating heartbeat behind it. Like yeah. it has the sort of like, are you going to go for or are you going to go against? Like it, it really changes the cadence of the game from here on out. And it really tells you that. And I wish that there were more signposts in the game about like, you could choose this or you could choose that and it would affect your your yeah. sort of general enjoyment like and i and and i found that really useful and i found that like compelling in a way that made me care about the edelgard path in a way that i don't think i would have otherwise so i think all of this is to say that like i, I agree with you where like i i i don't want agency until i really do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, weirdly enough, the reason I went with Leone in my Three Houses run was because she was the most mm. integral to the overall plot of the game, which is oh like... Oh my god, 100%. And she has an opinion on it in a way that she's going to tell you. Like, yeah. she is like, I am not chill with how this went down, or I really like how this went down. And and specifically her relationship with your father, you know, Byleth's father, quote unquote, in the mm-hmm. game, um, and her being like, I, I was his daughter, and mm-hmm. you stole the spotlight from me you know because because he was raising me for a long time until he had you and like felt like he needed to go back to you that strangely enough was like oh that's why she's the most compelling character to me that's why she's the person i should get with she's directly connected to the like main plot exactly yeah no no no. i think i think that that's really valid and i think that's something that i found missing in awakening that like there was not a like central thrust and, and and maybe this is even why I married my Robin to my Crom where it was like I need all the sort of like central characters to be really like involved with one another I Absolutely. need them to be because you get the payoff of that Lucina scene exactly like I, I need everyone to be committed and to be sort of like bought in in a certain way yeah I, I find myself wanting that in video games like I want to concentrate like affection and desire and hatred and sort of like all feelings so I can then as the player like metabolize it. I don't know. That that's probably like an inarticulate way to put it, but <laughs> No, that makes sense. I'm having a really hard time answering this question because I think it so depends. I mean Byleth is a really fascinating case because they are an empty mm-hmm. vessel for the player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they've also literally been made an empty vessel in the story mm. of the game. So like, <laughs> like they got like fully hollowed out yeah, by like yeah. there's like a whole like meta layer to that that like yeah. you know is the reason none of us like Raya uh, without <laughs> getting into it but uh, I think like so I would say in general I'm probably with both of you where like I also like to have the middle ground Robin mm, Shepherd mm. protagonist mm. but I also have really loved playthroughs of Skyrim or Oblivion where I, I can just make whoever and I'm not beholden to anything right so I think right. it really depends on the game where I think like in Mass Effect and in Fire Emblem even though there's a lot of this like every playthrough will be slightly different. You can focus on different things and different characters. There is like a A to Z plot happening yeah, um, that you're navigating within. So I think that having a little bit of like meat to the silent protagonist, I guess, or like mm-hmm. halfway between the two pays off. Whereas like, I think of a game like Fallout 4 where that really didn't work, where that is like an open world Bethesda game where they're trying to make the protagonist Mm, like a shepherd mm. Robin, but under the guise of you can do anything. And that just comes down to like, I think, sloppy direction where it's like. Right. And like that, like, like a misbalance, as it were. Yeah, exactly. So I would say like in terms of whether or not I want a protagonist who is silent or authored or in between, it just really depends on the game. But I would I would wager most times the middle ground tends to have the highest payoff. Yeah, I'm very Mm. interested in between the three of us, at least 
the relationship between like the three games that I would also say like we all share as like huge games for us, which are, you know, Fire Emblem, maybe just like as a franchise. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Persona 5 specifically. Mm-hmm. And then Dragon Quest XI. Um, yeah. Weirdly enough. And those are all sort of like I would say on the low end of protagonists having personalities. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. Persona 5, he's got something going on. And like Dragon Quest, there's something going on. Like there's a little bit of like authorization. I think it once you pick up Persona 4, which I'm very excited for you to play, I think you'll love it. Yeah, I'm literally going to like drive by Brendan's house next week and be like, can you uh, yeah, toss your my Vita out the window? Yeah. <laughs> the protagonist of Persona 4 feels like a, a hole for you to in, inhabit. Like he has nothing going on. I mean, on. I've, totally. I've literally seen the picture of his avatar and it's like a gray haired guy. And it's like, I right. don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but even in like the dialogue, like I feel like in five, the dialogue choices give you kind of a sense of who Joker is. Like he's sort of like. I mean, like, Joker's like kind of sardonic. He's sort of yeah. right. Like, Joker yeah. reminds like, me a lot of Robin, if I'm being honest. Like like Joker, Joker and Robin are very similar in that in that they both have like discrete personalities and the choices that you make aren't going to really sway who they are. It's just like possible choices that they could make. Whereas in Persona 4, it's like blank slate. Okay. Also, I'm sorry. Joker is the hottest silent protagonist you could possibly have. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think like having played three, four and five Joker is my favorite protagonist. That might answer mm. the question. Cause I think three and four give you the like fully yeah. vacant protagonist and five gives you like a little bit of like, if I had to like write a script starring Joker, I would know what to do. Whereas if I had to write a script starring you from persona four, I would have no <laughs> right, idea. Right. Yeah. Like, well, I, I also do think that like part of the value proposition of Persona 5 is outsiders, right? Like where where it's like, look, this is this person who was thrown into a situation where he like can't possibly win. Mm. He he is someone who is so seen as like on the outside or on like 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 just not competing in the same realm as everyone else that like I don't know I I just think of Joker as like someone who is not seen as in the same like realm as as other protagonists he has a detachment to him that is like kind of infectious weirdly like you want to get like even as the player you want to get to know him better which like (laughs) makes the uh, like it makes sense that like other people want to get to know him whereas in three and four it feels like like self-insert fan fiction, like you're the coolest right, guy right. in school, you know. Like, all right. no, and like Joker doesn't feel cool, but he does feel inscrutable in a way that's appealing. Right, yeah. right. Like if if he was the new kid in your class, you'd be like, who is that guy? Like, I'm gonna yeah. whisper about and, him. And maybe you might be like. I don't care, but you might be like, <laughs> I love him and I'm obsessed. <laughs> I, I love that. I love what these questions are inspiring, but I'm going yeah. to move on yeah, to the next one. Yeah, please do. We've been spending like 30 minutes no, on this No, no, this is, this is amazing. <laughs> I love this. Uh, at Heavy Greens on Twitter asks, has it changed your view or appreciation of Three Houses? Or I guess, has Playing Awakening changed your view or appreciation of Three Houses? Quality of life changes. What would you bring forward, um, you know, in a post three houses game and they recommended like having a donald type Mm-mm. oh interesting i'll i'll go first because mine's gonna be very quick um i mean first of all put donald in every video game donald is like <laughs> i love donald Pot on his head yeah Pot on his head just unbelievable yeah. um my my whole situation while playing awakening and thinking about three houses because i've been thinking about three houses a lot is that uh i just want to play three houses again while playing awakening mm. um and i i've been saying for a long time to uh friends and people in the discord that this is going to be the three houses summer and we're all going to get back into Fire Emblem Three Houses again this summer. But 
honestly, like just playing Awakening has just made me realize like I don't remember enough about Three Houses that it makes me want to go back and play it again and like finally do another route and like continue playing that game because uh, there's so much to do. And Alana, I feel like you are like a personification of that in a way. It, what I've heard from you in our conversations about Three Houses just makes me want to like poke at the edges of that game and see what's possible. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Awakening is great and is its own video game and is like really good and worth experiencing and you should absolutely go like get a Nintendo 3DS or 2DS and go play it because it's like so fucking good. But Honestly, I'm just like itching to see Three Houses again and like revisit that game over a year later and see what it brings to the table because I don't really remember. Yeah, you should absolutely, even before you poke at the edges of it, like see the Three Houses, like see the three main stories. Like, yeah, that is alone is worth doing. Like it really like I don't think I think you can do one route and feel like, okay, that was my playthrough. But like you'll get such a more rich experience doing all three. Alana's motioning uh, no. I, I was I trying to be polite. <laughs> like, Steven, I love how diplomatic you're being, and like, I get it. But like, Libra rising, hey. Blue lions, black eagles, golden deer. Like, do it in that order. Yeah, that's what I did. Oh, interesting. I, yeah. Oh, a thousand percent. Do like the normies, do the like deviants, <laughs> and then do the overarching, like, we But see I kind of get it because, like, honestly, it's been, <laughs> I haven't done a church route, which is the, you know, the alternate black oh, eagles. I haven't. It's not fun. It's, it's, a, <laughs> no, truly, the church route is the same as golden deer, but with like a less like satisfying ending. Like mm. I don't think anyone needs to do the church route. That's a bummer. But I, yeah, I mean I don't like know if it's a bummer. I don't know if anyone needs to be like, you know, suckling at the cops teat. <laughs> <laughs> but what what I was gonna say was that uh, I felt so sated by the finale of Golden Deer that I was like good. And I I, I get why like doing That's that why one I first. say that order. Like if yeah. you get to the end of Golden Deer you will feel like you have seen the whole thing. Because you kind of have in some ways. Which is what like, I did. And I and I've, I mm-hmm. said it in our bonus episode, our very first bonus episode for this podcast. Oh, you guys. <laughs> um, was that was that playing that house is the reason I finished that game and love this franchise um, and, and going and I've tried playing Black Eagles. I've tried playing Blue Lions and I just like didn't make it through either of those runs for like various hmm. reasons. A lot of them just being like we had other Wait, Brendan, was Golden Deer your first run? Yeah. That was mine, too. Yeah. Uh, But then I went on to play seven more runs. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I just think, like, I didn't have that motivation to keep doing it. And also, like, we have a podcast where we have to play a lot of video games. So, like, I just didn't have the time for it. But I do think that playing Golden Deer first really showed me a lot of the angles of what is possible Mm. in that game, uh, specifically because Claude is looking at it from such, like, a four-dimensional view in a weird way even though he seems like a himbo he's like very much not and 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 really is looking at it from every angle um and and you get a lot of that in the golden deer run so strangely enough like going into the blue Mm. lions run or the black eagles run after that is like this is a very one-dimensional view of the conflict that's happening here and i know that that's actually not the case but the way that i perceived it having done Mm. golden deer first feels that way and it was hard to start the runs in the other houses because of that. I'm going to tell yeah. you guys the odds of me signing off and starting a uh, 
that new three houses run is like not zero. Dude, me too. I mean, I, I've been just like itching to put down my 3DS and pick up my Switch and play that game. Blue Lions is my first, and I think Blue Lions is a great first one because like you're left with a lot of questions. I, I actually do think Blue Lions is like the real first. Like I think people should start with Blue Lions. It's interesting. It is such a beautiful story, like on a personal level, and weirdly a Persona way. Like mm. Time Skip Dimitri feels like a palace Dimitri in Persona, you know? Steven, I will tell you, a friend of mine was just starting Three Houses and was like, I don't know, like the Blue Lions feel so vanilla. And I was like, just like, wait. Like, yeah, I know like, you only talk to Ash. Just like, give them a chance. Like, Dimitri is like maybe the only character who like actually evolves in the game, like Pokemon style. Yeah. Also, like anyone, any slander against the dude is punishable mm-hmm. by the court of law. I actually filed a, a claim with the state of Illinois. So sorry to all listeners that we keep being like awakening. But also, what if we talk no, about I mean, three houses? Th- it's all intrinsically linked, I think. It's so linked. It's Here's the thing. We're recording an episode of this podcast about Fire Emblem Awakening in the year 2021. Eight years after it came out. (laughs) Yeah. Eight years after it came out and and a year or two after the release of Fire Emblem Three Houses. Like, Mm -hmm. I I think that it would be um, it's a misstep to not relate the two. Yeah, exactly. I I think it's important because a lot of the people who are listening probably have experience with Three Houses uh, and are maybe interested in the in the potential Mm -hmm. of Awakening as their next game. Also, a lot of the questions are about three houses including the next one by Walla Pratt what holds the place of watching Hubert blush across the table from you at tea time oh. even though he clearly prefers coffee oh <laughs> but then no, he follows it up, up with first. real <laughs> that's the answer uh, and then he says real awakening question what influence have you seen this game have on the games of a similar vein that followed mm. it kind of like the way Persona 5 influenced Three Houses interesting claim at the bottom of that question yeah wow I don't know. that's like a big that's a big question <laughs> so the thing the thing about uh, I just have to address this real quick because you know it's my gut instinct uh, Persona 5 influencing three houses. I don't know if that's a good. It's definitely noticeable if you've like played both series. I don't know if that was like directly the case because Fire Emblem has had the support scenes for a while as evidenced by Awakening. But even before then, they existed. I think, though, that like three houses definitely took the Persona calendar system. Mm-mm. And, you know, that that um, definitely, I, I, again, I don't know if maybe that was taken for something else, but it, it's it's very similar to Persona. I guess in terms of like what Awakening did to other games, I don't really know. It feels kind of insula- insular to Fire Emblem. So like, I don't know if like Awakening had a splash effect on like games in general, like in the strategy world or like RPG world, but I definitely think it breathed new life into Fire Emblem. Because again, this is going to mm. be the last one. So like that alone, I think, is enough of an observation. Yeah, Fi- Fire Emblem uh, Awakening inspired more Fire Emblem, which like, thank yeah. God, you know, because now yeah. we have three houses. Weirdly enough, like I do, f- I-, I am always surprised that there aren't more developers pointing at things like this and turning them into like indie versions of this you know mm, like mm. Y- you play a game like war groove for example which is like a really wonderful game but is more inspired by advanced wars than fire emblem but like the developers of war groove i'm sure are big fans of fire emblem and i'm surprised that there aren't more fire emblem-esque kind of like quirks to that game and and it always shocks me when there are games like this that aren't just like ripped off constantly because like people <laughs> yeah. want more of this kind of stuff 
And and the only reason that people go like nuts when a new Fire Emblem game comes out is because nobody else is making a thing like Fire Emblem. The only thing I can think about that's coming out that's similar is the Triangle Strategy game. Oh, uh, right. Oh, my God. Alana, have you played that yet? <laughs> no, I haven't. Download the demo. I... It is free dollars and zero cents. And you can uh, have a Fire Emblem experience on your Switch that is not Fire Emblem. Love it. But as I as I said, I'm, I'm really all in on the 3DS now. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just like would really... I really love some developers to give me some new games on the system that came out like maybe 14 years ago. <laughs> Here's a fun one that you might enjoy. The la- one of like literally one of the last 3DS games made was Persona Q2 New yeah. Cinema Labyrinth, oh, which yeah. is it's the cast of three, four, and five all hanging out in a dungeon crawler. It's like pretty fun. Like it doesn't have everything you want from a Persona game, but like it is fun to see those characters interact. And in like it's a so different... weird that that game exists. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you guys, bizarre. I have not been able to get into like an auxiliary Persona game. Like I tried to play, uh, like what is it? Strikers. P. P- yeah, Strikers, and I just like kind of couldn't. Like what about the dancing games? I I I can't like. P5R ruined my life. Like, <laughs> like it, it made me so, like, in its thrall. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I mean, n- none of the other games have, like, that appeal, mm-hmm. you know? Like, if, you, if you're in it for the core experience. Which is, like, I, I don't hold it against any of the game developers. Like, I don't think anyone did anything wrong. It's just, like, what me, Alana, wants out of a Persona game <laughs> is literally, like, to go to, like, the cafe and make coffee and then like go to the metaverse yeah. like that's specifically that, what i that want makes total sense. no that's that's the appeal of the series and i will say my friend ode who does not care about video games i gave her my old uh, per, uh my old playstation 4 and i was like this game called persona 5 you might like it and she also played it to its completion which i feel like is yeah. like oh really- shout out to ode yes yeah i was so impressed because Again, like me and my partner moved in together and he had a PlayStation 4 and I was like, we don't need two. And so I gave one to my friend and she was like, I don't think I'm going to use this. And I was like, play this game called Persona 5 Royal. And then like three weeks later, she surfaced and was like, she was like, how do I max out the tower confidant no, before the time she skip? was like, so, you know, when you recommended this video game to me, like I have a few questions. Yeah. So it says I could become friends with the Yuji faster if I have slime as my equipped persona. <laughs> oh, my God. Like what if What's I the next questions out even? My <laughs> <laughs> or else. <laughs> What's so funny about having you on Alana is you and I are willing to keep going with a bit, and Brendan's like, we gotta move on. <laughs> anyway, at Garnum asks on Twitter, did Fire Emblem Three Houses feel like the dam breaking on popularity for the series? Or do you think there's still room to grow approachability wise? I love this question. It's very interesting. I think there's plenty of room to grow. I think that like Awakening was a new era for the series that was followed up by Fates and Echoes, which actually Echoes is like the weird hidden gem. I have not played it, but like if you talk to a lot of people who are big, like longtime fans of the series, Echoes is like their favorite 3DS one. That's that's the one I have next that my mother also purchased for me for yeah. some unknown reason. And I'm really excited. About. I love that. Well, I didn't mention this actually earlier on, but it's worth mentioning that this whole episode exists because you posted on, I don't even remember where you posted this. I think you, I posted on Twitter being like, I, I'm obsessed with this yeah game. you just mentioned that like your mom had given you these games and I was yeah. like oh my god Alana just got Fire Emblem Awakening you and I because Stephen and I had talked about doing a Fire Emblem Awakening yeah. bonus like forever ago but like didn't really oh, no. know when to do it shout out Pam Fury like a woman who <laughs> yeah. maybe never played a video game in her life and just sort of was like 
oh, my 31-year-old daughter would really like to play a video game that's been discontinued. <laughs> if it wasn't for that, this episode wouldn't exist. Thank you so yeah. much to Pam. Thank you, Pam. Um, Approachability-wise, so I think mm. that having the permadeath option on and off in addition to the difficulty slider is great. Yeah. Weirdly, though, and, and we kind of touched on this indirectly, I feel like when Three Houses came out, there was a there were a lot of articles that were like, is this game too easy? Which I don't mm. agree with. Because I think that like I generally chafe against like that type of thinking toward totally. a video game. Like yeah, yeah, absolutely. As again, someone who has come into franchises like what I would call late, but I think what other people would call like you know, the time when they were made accessible to other people. <laughs> yeah, right. And I mean, like, Awakening was the entry point, and that was still tough. Like, you would lose yeah. Lissa in the first map if you didn't know how to play the game. So, like, which is what happened to me. <laughs> um, may but, she rest. Uh, may she rest, uh, Owain, we never met you in the first run, which is a tragedy. Anyway, uh, Three Houses, I think, like, I found... So I played Three Houses on hard every run, and then I tried Maddening. Hard for me, like as a as a person who had experience with both Fates and Awakening. Fates is also fucking wild. The conquest on Hard is unbelievable. It's so mm. yeah, it's so rough. So I, I felt like hardened for three houses, and I found Hard to be like pretty normal until the end. Like the the first time skip map and the last two missions on Hard are very challenging and like a yeah in a three DS Fire Emblem way. The thing I'll say about Three Houses, though, is that I don't think it's too easy, but I don't think there's an appropriately hard option for longtime players. Like, you either get, like, easy, normal, or impossible. There's no, like, No, you're so right. There's not a middle ground. I I felt this way, Stephen. Like, and and I was a first-time player. Like, but I was a player who, you know, went seven or eight rounds where, like, I wanted there to be a middle ground between hard and maddening. Yeah. Like, and like I couldn't quite find it in terms of like I want something that's tactically very advanced, but not like gonna like fuck me over. Mm, <laughs> yeah. And 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 I found that really hard on Awakening too. And like I'm excited to play on Lunatic just to like see what I can do, but I think it's gonna be the same problem. There's also Lunatic Plus, just to warn you. Oh um, no, I know. Steven, I've done I've, the uh, research. I've, I've been on reddit.com backslash fire and awakening. <laughs> From what I, I, I my, my head canon is that the developers of Three Houses saw the complaints about it being too easy before they made the side quest, because that is mm, like mm. bullshit hard. Like it's not even interesting. They're just like, there's a million golems that show up unless you hit the right switch, but you can't figure out what the right switch is until you're already down there. Like, yeah. come on, this is not interesting. I, I will also tell you guys, I went into this game being like, I'm not going to pay money for the DLC. Like, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> oh my God, I who, meant to ask you about this. Okay. Who would do that? That's that's insane. Like, I have the full game at my disposal. And like, lo and behold, I sure did pay like $13 for the DLC, which as anyone who's ever played it will know, actually gets you access to like quite a lot. Yeah. Was, um, was it worth it? Um. Okay. So you can get different like bundles of maps, essentially. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it's really different than the Three Houses DLC, which is very like gestalt. You know, <laughs> like it's like yeah. if if you buy the Three Houses DLC for like twenty dollars, you get like access to a full side quest, and yeah. like that's what you do, and then you can like have those characters, and it's just like very like full and like realized. If you buy the DLC in Awakening, it's a lot more like. You can buy one map at a time, or you could buy three maps as a bundle. And at first, I tried to buy 
uh, basically just like the advanced hard maps. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, I definitely can't do this until after I've beaten the game. Like, they're so fucking hard. Right. And then I bought like essentially what was the like enhancement maps, which were like, you get more gold, you get more experience, you get Mm. more like stuff. And those were way too easy. Like, I beat one of them and I was like, oh, I got like 90,000 gold out of this. Like, I got so much experience. Like, like, this actually is like a cheat code for the rest of the game. Like, I can't in good faith play this if I like want to max out the game. Yeah. And and I'm sure people who play Maddening are like counting on that. But it, it just like wasn't right for me. But anyway, it was really interesting to be like, how do the developers think of this in terms of like, what's harder? What's easier? What do like players want more of? What do players mm-hmm. want less of? It was honestly mostly like an experiment rather than like, oh, this is like really essential to my gameplay. So what I would say ultimately is like, if you are playing Awakening, like I wouldn't bother unless all of a sudden you're like, I really need to like max out my money or like I really want something that's like an insane challenge. Yeah, or like like there's not a challenge battle showing up on the map and I really need to Mm -hmm. max out the support sometime soon for XYZ reason. Yeah, I found them to be very mismatched with sort of like the overall tenor of the game. Yeah, I I, I was really curious about it specifically just because like I I was playing on casual. I was playing with no permadeath and I still really felt like I wasn't getting enough battles to max out the supports that I like wanted to get because I wanted Mm. to go through all the paralogs and unlock all the kids before I like moved on with the story um, and then realized that that wasn't going to be possible. I mean, maybe because I picked the uh, uh, shit. What was her name? Severa. I picked the Severa one first and I was like, oh, my God, these are so hard. I need to like super level up. Um, and I almost considered buying the DLC like for that reason. Um, and I'm kind of glad that I didn't. But the thing that I'm most surprised by, I, I think, in terms of this game is just like reading the reviews of this game that came out at the time when the game came out is like Street Pass was such a huge thing on the 3DS. Oh, yo, it's and actually not, so interesting yeah. reading like like I feel like I see a lot of like empty Street Pass like like missions or whatever what will be like street pass was here but you can't do it anymore and yeah, it's like street pass was such an integral part of the development of this game and like you know it, talking about the 3ds and how great the 3ds was street pass was an amazing feature of that mm-hmm. of that console um and and the way that it interacted with fire emblem awakening specifically like just allowed for more battles and allowed for i think like a more kind of natural progression between the right, characters right. And, and and their growth and their supports and things like that and like not having that now is kind of sad and it kind of makes me think you know mm-hmm. a, as we're looking you know at uh, down the barrel of like what is possible for the nintendo switch and like the ports that could show up like i would love to see games that had street pass integration just kind of like mm. naturally move onto the switch in a way that took that street pass content and like made it just integral to the game itself like i would love to play awakening again on the switch but with those street pass interactions just kind of like available for me like just kind of tie Mm -hmm. them to nintendo switch online and and say like okay my friend alana is playing awakening also so pull those battles and pull those things into my playthrough just because she's also playing not because we walked by each other in times fucking square or the or the GameStop in garden state (laughs) plaza in paramus new jersey like those aren't the reasons i should need to welcome to 2021 etc exactly um I, i really 
strangely, like uh, of all the things th- that Fire Emblem Awakening made me realize about the 3DS as a console, like Street Pass was amazing, but that stuff is so possible just via like Nintendo Switch Online, and I want it right, back. Like, what if they took that and made it like accessible generally? Totally. I feel like there's something where like every day that passes, like in real life, there are more things that pop up on the map, mm. which is like kind of a way to counteract that limitation, and also. Um, the barracks, which is a wild place, is like a little <laughs> sprinkling of Animal Crossing in the middle. How have like, we gone like multiple hours and not talked about the barracks? <laughs> the barracks are like so generic yet so specific. <laughs> the barracks is a is a room that you get a first person view of. You can actually enter like a more intense camera view and look around and it kind of slowly fills with stuff as you play and on the bottom screen a character will like cordelia will be like hello steven how's your night going i'm like it's going great cordelia our daughters are doing great out in the war <laughs> and, noted uh, 17 year olds <laughs> right <laughs> and then there's like a list of events that happen and like two people two characters will just sort of like walk into the room and be like what do you dream about why dream when you can live and then they walk <laughs> off and it it feels like you're in like a nightmarish improv class where they're like everyone get on stage and just say one thing and then walk off and that's like the warm up (laughs) and it just it's just that in Fire Emblem and it's just wild like it is such a clearly half-baked idea for something that would have turned into it's like seeing the single cell version of the monastery in Awakening just like as like a mini game (laughs) but anyway the question was like what approachability wise could the series do more of in the future which we kind of touched on with like Hmm. incorporating Street Pass-esque features using Nintendo Online especially after this whole like revamp of it apparently mine would be like more esoterically I would love like I think Three Houses did a lot of great stuff like divine pulse should stay into in the mm. whole series Absolutely. like at this point every game should have divine pulse a thousand percent there should be no other option if they port any other game to the nintendo switch they should include <laughs> divine pulse because it's so integral now I to the franchise i think i would denote awakening as perfect if it had divine pulse yeah um the other thing i would say is i wish that there was like an in-game way to see what abilities you would get from each class mm. like mm. if like once i max out Mirmadon or whatever I know like what I get because right, like you shouldn't have to like Google it on like Fire Emblem dot. Yeah, I've got to go to a 2009 yeah. GameFAQs forum to like see the like Excel spreadsheet someone made of all that. Where like it, I think some of it exists in Three Houses, if I remember correctly, but like not all of it. Like not the abilities you get. You see like what weapon skills you need and like how far you are leveling it, but like you don't see like if I max out Paladin, I get Igis, which you know right uh, randomly has the damage from magical attacks. Or um, if you have a Dark Flyer mother, that will be passed on to the child. And when they kill an enemy, they get to go again. Think of it like checkers. Um, once you've captured a piece on the other side of the board, it becomes a more powerful piece that can go again. Think of it like Severa on a checkerboard, okay? Uh, next question. Steven, um, how do you think checkers works is my question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you're here to challenge my like quickly deteriorating. No, just like I love, I love your brain, but like I would love <laughs> Well, you need to know about my brain is that sometimes I realize after I've committed to a bit that I don't have the raw knowledge of, no, of no, it to no, back it like up. No, no, just like as you were. <laughs> I got to go back to 51 Worldwide Classics and listen to the intro of Checkers and then we'll re-record the episode. <laughs> oh my God. Andrew D in Discord asks, what are your head canon pairs? I think maybe mm. we can each choose a couple. 
I think Gregor and Cherchi is one for me. I just love mm. the fact that he rescued her wyvern and that's like her whole vibe is great. Honestly, I wouldn't be against having Robin and Crom be a headcanon one, even though it's not what I did this run. Like, yeah. that does make the story so much more like directly impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also like for me, it's like Robin and Crom is one thing. But Severa and Morgan as sisters is an equally powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And I like would want both in a perfect world. But, you know, I love that. Yeah. I, I, I really do see Robin and Crom as like canon. I will say I, I really like um, Pan and Gregor as as canon. Like he is like such an outsider. And so is she. And I think that like they result in a yarn that is like anxious about the right things, if that makes sense, where he's like, yeah. but like, what if my dad doesn't love me? And it's like, but what if he does? Like, it'll be fine. <laughs> totally. I don't know. I, I found that really moving. And I really liked the like progression of their supports that he, um that that yarn was like, but dad, like, what do you want from me? And like Gregor being like, well, all I want is money, but but really what I want is my son. <laughs> <laughs> I um I, I was I was very into uh Lissa and Gaia specifically mm. because I feel like the the theme of the game in terms of like rejecting what some people thought was destiny and fate and like building your own on top of that was really fascinating. And and I feel like those two specifically kind of on, on like a more human level represent that those two together being like, you know, literal, actual royalty and then also literal, actual like street beggar thief guy uh, getting together, like really felt like a rejection of destiny and fate and like, you know, divine nonsense uh, and being <laughs> like, no, we're, we're just in love and that's cool. Uh, also, I really like candy. <laughs> <laughs> Gaius's love for candy is like so beautiful. I mean, I, I love that so many of the guys in Awakening are just like, I have one personality trait. Like Long Choose is like, what if I was scared of women? And Gaius yeah. is like, what if I only cared about candy? Like, yeah. And like everyone has managed to work with that. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I am a thief, but also if you paid me in candy instead of money, I'd mm-hmm. still be happy. <laughs> Like would be super down. It's like they they turned the phrase stealing candy from a baby into a character. <laughs> when he levels up and he just says sweet, I almost threw my 3DS. Oh out my the god, window. for real. I, I was, was amazed. Like, this is yeah. unbelievable. Beautiful. Yeah. No notes. <laughs> um this is a fun question. So we got emailed this question by Finley. If intelligent systems stopped being like that and allowed queer couples, who would you be pairing up? Oh so, my god, all of them are queer couples. Like That's what I mean. I, I feel like I love the way Stardew Valley handles yeah. relationships where just everyone is available no matter yes. who your <laughs> character is. So like this I mean, this possibility would make this episode endless, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, like we would we would be talking about I would love and I mean this goes back to Crom and Robin. Like I would love Crom and Robin no matter who they were. You know, like I think that's a good mm-hmm. pairing no matter what. Um, Sarja and female Robin. Are <laughs> that's like, a great one. Iconically canon, but also Tharja. I mean, Tharja is canonically a lesbian. Like, she just is. And, like, I could see her with Muriel. I could see her with Sully. Like, I I really think Tharja was not given her due. I'm not sure why this pops in my head, but I feel like Gaius and Vake would be a fun couple for some reason. Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, no, I like that. I think they would balance each other out well, you know, because one is, like, Gaius is, like, pretty chill. That's an action-to-do energy. (laughs) (laughs) Which we all know is canon. (laughs) 
Yes, absolutely. It is Ash to do energy. I mean, for unfortunately, sure. I can't find a Felix and Sylvain, which is like my OTP. <laughs> sure. But, yeah. I mean, Severa and who? Like, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's kind of funny you said it because I struggled to even find a pair for Severa like in the game because she oh. was so powerful. She was like better yeah. off on her own. But um, I if I can make Inigo happen, I was planning to set them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that tracks to me. I mean, I, my Inigo was so fucking powerful. But again, yeah. that's because I that was when I was like, oh, what if I like really gamed this such that he was yeah. very powerful? That was totally, kind of a big bummer yeah. for me. I mean, like the the queer stuff in general was like, you know, I. I really wish that there was more of that in this game, but there were even like some pairings where I was like, Oh, these two would be so great together. And then yeah. I would start to like max out their support and then realize that it didn't go to S rank and be like, what the, f- why the fuck would this not be possible even, you know, like there are so right. many instances where I felt like my own like player agency was handicapped by like what the developers decided like was or was not possible. And I, that, that was so frustrating to me. And I, I just really wish that they would like open the doors to literally any one can romance anyone yeah i'm hoping that's how the next games are i mean i i don't expect it overnight unfortunately yeah i hope that in the future they they open those possibilities up absolutely okay scout and discord asked a few questions these are fun first is who is your favorite and least favorite character mechanically mm. and additionally who is your favorite and least favorite character emotionally <laughs> um i would say my favorite character Okay, wait. Who was your favorite character and least favorite character mechanically? My favorite character mechanically is Severa because she just destroyed everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and was fun. Uh, my least favorite character mechanically was Vake because he dies in every possible run <laughs> I do. Yeah. My least favorite character is also Vake for that same reason. Favorite oh, characters. Wow. Favorite character is Donald just oh, because yeah, like great. the his arc of starting as like strange farm boy that you like bring onto your team for really no reason at all, like no like legitimate reason, and then having him turn into literally the most powerful character in the entire game for like also no reason great really fun a uh, lot of a lot of player agency involved in uh how you spec out donald and i really appreciate Donald's that great yeah. i made him a hero class me too Hell yeah I yeah. thought that that was great. Farmer to hero. Absolutely. I think my favorite was Inigo because I like really mm. tripped him out and he just became like someone I could like throw into any battle and he would be fine. Least favorite. I don't know. Like it feels unfair to any of them, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I, I think Rickon, I think Rickon, I like really had a lot of hopes on and then he just like kind of couldn't perform. I don't know what, ha- I think my game glitched because Rickon was like unstoppable somehow. <laughs> no, no, He's no. like, I, I actually think that like Henry was, to me what I think Rickon was to you and I think it could have been like really either way and it just happened totally. to like like the the coin fell on Henry's side <laughs> yeah I feel know? like everyone was gonna pick a mage right and like yeah, for me yeah. exactly, for me it was Muriel exactly. just because like she happened to like start maxing out those supports with Robin so I was like okay so here's mm-hmm. like a canonical reason for her to be the mage that I always bring everywhere so nobody else really got the time of day right uh, Rickon is kind of like magical Donald in some ways because he's like <laughs> so bad in the beginning and then once you get him <laughs> Like he became a sage like real early on and just mm. like obliterated. Did, but yeah. did you guys um age up your characters at level ten or did you wait to max them out at level twenty? I usually waited. There were only the only yeah. person I did it early with was Sumia because she was falling a little bit behind. Uh, Steven, I should have done that. I kept waiting till level twenty and then I, I, I think I did Sumia way too late. Mm. Yeah, there, there's like a weird like falling off point where like if you do, like I waited way too late for long queue. I made him a ninja mm-hmm. and he still sucked. And I'm like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, Simia, I like she was like a level fifteen mm. uh Pegasus Knight and I made her into a Falcon Rider. But she's really just like to get crumbs somewhere far most of the time. <laughs> I haven't used her as yeah. much. She's a great character too. Like she's just as powerful as Cordelia, but in different ways. Uh and favorite least favorite character emotionally. I don't really have anyone like I hate. I think like we've addressed how weird now he is, like just problematic wise. Yeah. Uh I, I will say the fandom seems to have a whole discourse going that we don't need to participate in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't feel the need to. Um, yeah. But yeah, there was no one I, no one I hated. I think my favorite character. I mean, we'll we'll get into that later because there's a lot of stuff of like who's my favorite. But I think emotionally, Owen. And I think Owen yeah. will probably be the answer for a lot of these. Yeah, he's he's so great. He's so like earnest and present. I also I will say I paired him up with my um, Lucina, which like makes me feel. Oh ex- yes. Yeah, they're like super in love, and their support is so fucking cute. That like I'm just like I would protect him with my life. <laughs> oh, Lucina too. I mean, Lucina emotionally, like just for her role in the story. I yeah. keep like she's such the easy pick that I keep even forgetting she's like right. on the list. Yeah. So, so not not to like spoil too much because I think anyone should like try and take it through this path. But their whole support is about him being like you talk too formally. Like how do I make you talk like a normal kid? And she's like I want that also. And like it's just very mm. cute and very flirty. And like I don't know, it just feels like two 18 year olds, even if they're from the future like interacting with one another <laughs> like i found it like so charming that i was just like hell yeah i will do anything to see the the end of this <laughs> yeah for me specifically and and this is just a testament to how like wonderful this game is in the writing of this game and and the mechanics of this game but like the relationship between lucina and kill as sisters mm. in my run made kill one of my favorite characters she's cool. awesome and like yeah. that rules that that was just like an experience I got to have because of the choices that I made. So that's my pick. Yeah, I mean, it really is like, again, I think as we talk about this, it really is evident that every run is so unique. You know, yeah. even even if you like don't actively decide ahead of time what you're doing. Um, OK, uh, so a lot of these questions we've kind of addressed before. Favorite pairings, if we made any big fuck off strong children, Anigo, <laughs> uh, Severa. And who was your powerful child, Brendan? Kill, actually. Yeah. Kill, Kill. Kill was like, yeah, super powered. Here's a really fun one for the end of Scott's question. Which Fire Emblem Awakening character mains which other Fire Emblem franchise character in Smash? <laughs> <laughs> I think Krom plays as Krom. Uh, Whoa, to be I, was, I was about to say Krom plays as Fox. Oh. <laughs> which I know is not the question, but like Krom definitely plays as Fox. You guys, I think I have the ultimate answer, which is I think Byleth plays as Kirby. <laughs> oh wow I think she's really hungry uh-huh. and I think she's really like I would like to absorb the powers of everyone around me <laughs> I love it not, not to warp Scott's question but I do think it's fun to have like the whole roster of Smash open yeah mm-hmm. so for like main characters is anyone okay so I would say oh my god I think Krom plays Fox I like that I think Byleth plays Kirby that's fun Frederick plays Link I think and is bad at Smash I don't think he's very good <laughs> no I don't think Frederick is good at Smash, but I think he's like he's like aggro. He's like a button masher. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Wayne plays Sonic, absolutely. Um <laughs> and insists on choosing the stage and music. Uh and I think just to do the three house leads, Claude plays uh, I think Claude plays Dedede like I do and just trolls everyone by doing the lounge pose. Mm. Right, like Claude plays like 
quote unquote tactically, but also is just like fucking with people. Yeah, and he'll put on items when no one's noticing. Uh, just for Edelgard fun. plays like what is the most like gar 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 character? Like she plays like Ganondorf or something. I think she like, plays Ganondorf, and she always goes for the spike. Like she never yeah, just throws yeah, yeah, you yeah. off. She'll like jump off the level and kick you down, mm-hmm. and like is the reason everyone stops having fun playing right. Smash. Right, right, right. Yeah. Where you're like, okay, cool. Like I get that you won. However. <laughs> um, who does Dimitri um, play? Like, I don't know. That's a great question. I, I would say that Dimitri plays Marth. Interesting. Wait, that's very full circle, Brendan. Tell me more. Yeah. I, ju- I just feel like D- Dimitri would be interested in the idea of competitive Super Smash Brothers, but not know mm. what character to pick and would Got go it. online and find out that Marth is like the easiest competitive character to pick Got and then it. end Got up it. picking Marth. I love that. I think that that's actually like completely accurate. And then I mean, eventually Bert- during the time skip would switch to Captain Falcon. The thought of Dimitri knowing what online is, is like really fucking with me <laughs> in a way that I might need to like process offline. <laughs> <laughs> What's Dimitri's letterbox account look like? I wonder. It's like, oh my god, it's like Tampopo twenty times in a row. <laughs> Clearly, Dimitri has an account on the Criterion Collection mm-hmm. online. I think those are the only movies he ever saw. I love Dimitri that. loves Days of Heaven by Terrence Malick. There was. <laughs> That, you know what? I think that's the cap of, of that question. I think that's perfect. I'm going to move on to the next one. Steven, uh, thank you so much for uh, keeping us moving. <laughs> it's so funny when one of us assumes this role and it never feels right for either of us. I know. It, uh, yeah. Every time it's me, I feel like this This shouldn't be me. Yeah. <laughs> Cloud Strife on Twitter. I'm so hyped for this bonus. Thank you. We are too. We're happy to be here. Here are some questions. Uh, one is favorite music track, which is cool because we haven't talked about the soundtrack much. We can do that one real quick. Honestly, I think the like pre-battle music I love because I just think there's something like Dude. inherently kind of cozy about the soundtrack. Like yes. the Three Houses soundtrack is very emotional and like they use... And very big. Yeah. Yes. And they use the same theme throughout in different ways mm-hmm. where like by the end when it's Apex of the World world you're like in tears and it's like you've evolved like you've changed you know with i mean i I think i mentioned this in our bonus about three houses but like the message of this game is anything can change and the message of three houses is everything will change you know but like in a sadder way that's Um, a good way to put it but yeah the music is just very cozy and i think just like the planning music is perfect like it's like the exact music you want to hear as you like plan yeah. and re- review the inventory and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So. I can't believe you said that was exactly going to be my pick for like almost <laughs> exactly the same reason. Yeah. Hell yeah. I really like the music that happens when you are um, on like the world map. And yeah, like, that's a great one too. That's my other thought. Yeah, I I don't know. I like I did not expect to like it. Like frankly, I did not expect to like want to listen to the music in this game. Full stop. Like I was listening to podcasts, I was listening to audiobooks, and then I tuned in and I was kind of like, oh, this is like sort of killer. And like, yeah, yeah. It, it really sort of guides you into like the next thing you want to do. I don't oh. know. I, I think also I will say an interesting thing about this game that is very different than Three Houses is like. Right, like it's pretty much entirely centered on the world map, right? Like you're you're not in like a central place. You're not like launching from a point. I don't know. I I found it really like moving to be like, oh, where do I go next? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- the music makes you feel like you're in a hub, even though you're not. Exactly. Like, yeah. No, that's a really good way to put it, Stephen. I will I will say that there was like there's a point where I realized that I was frustrated that this game's music and audio were so good that I couldn't make it my TV game or my podcast <laughs> game anymore. I was like, I do actually just need to commit all my time to playing this game when I'm playing this game and I can't be doing something else. And, you know, obviously rewarding in its own uh, respect. But man, I wanted this to be a podcast game and it sure was not. 
Oh, see, I was listening to um, – I've been listening to the uh, sequels to the His Dark Materials series. Whoa. Um, yeah, Philip Pullman came out with, like, a whole, like, trilogy after, you know, like, Golden Compass at all. Yeah. And and I've been listening to them while I do all my battles, and it's been really fun and really, like, urgent. <laughs> I love that. Uh, here's a question, uh, also from Cloud Strife. How do you feel about the time skips in the story, what works and doesn't work about the chapter format for the game? I actually kind of like the time skip. It's not as dramatic as Three Houses, obviously, but like the cut to like Krom more kind of officially as a leader and the birth of Lucina, I thought was kind of fun and like felt like that was the point in the story I was the most invested in the A plot. I think like the stuff with the like kingdom with the guy with the mustache and all that, like this feels sort of like you're like all of a sudden watching like another TV show. Like it doesn't like it, it works like in terms of the moments it inspires, but I just think it just feels like so out of nowhere. Mm. But again, like I think that even though the A plot is not super compelling, it does serve its role in the story. So I don't really think there's anything that like stands out as like a weak moment as much as like I know what the strengths of the game are and I focus on those kind of thing. Yeah, I, f- I feel the same way. I mean, the, the structure of the game ends up just feeling like a TV show in aggregate. Um, it, yeah. it, it feels so much like every time you sit down for a chapter, like weirdly enough, o- over the course of like the month, I guess, that I was like playing the game on and off each day that I sat down to play it. I would play one of the like main story chapters and then I would spend a lot of my time doing other stuff outside of that, you know, but like each day was just like, this is the one chapter I'm going to do today. And then it would be all the paralogue battles or all of the like challenge battles or whatever outside of that uh, for the rest of the day. And I think that's like a fun way to play it. And I kind of appreciated that it was set up in that way. Um, cause three houses didn't feel that way to me. Three houses felt like I really needed to like kind of absorb, um, the, the story all at once, I guess. Um, you know, like between, it would either be like, this is a day where I'm just focusing on the story or this is a day where I'm just focusing on like hanging out in the monastery and like talking mm. to people and, and awakening. Or like allocate your points accordingly or whatever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, 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 and awakening was just like, no, when I, when I sit down, I'm going to like do one chapter and then I'm going to see what that unlocks and then do mm-hmm. everything that that chapter unlocks. Um, and that was my day with Fire Emblem Awakening for that day. And that, that's a cool way of setting it up specifically when you're talking about a handheld system and i think this game was like really smart in its design in that the developers were clearly aware that they were building it for a system that you would like put in your pocket and then bring with you Mm -hmm. to wherever you're going yeah absolutely i totally agree with that we've got a few more if you have it in you uh yeah go for it i am very excited about these next few from roach and discord they will either take a long time or be very quick either way very (laughs) dramatic um, the first question from Roach is, would love to know which house, Black Eagles, Blue Lions, and Golden Deer, would any of the Awakening characters be put in? Yo! <laughs> this is such a big question. <laughs> yeah. Should we go through all of them really quick and just say, like, gut picks, or should we choose a handful yeah. to focus on? Can I actually just, like, go real quick? Yeah, please. Alana, okay. pick the canonical picks for, for Into the Aether, okay. please. Crom, obviously Blue Lions. Yeah, yeah, obviously. I think most of the core group is Blue Lions. To be honestly, honest. Inigo also Blue Lions, and Kel Kajel Blue Lions. Like, don't you think? I think Kale is actually Golden Deer because I feel like Sully mm-hmm. has sort of that like commoner energy. Got That's it. Sort of, got it. Yeah. Okay, so we're, yeah. we're we're working off parent energy here. All right. A little bit, yeah. All right, Olivia. I think Black Eagles. Yes, she has the Bernadetta shyness and is probably yeah. like secretly like a murderer. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> noir is hard. Noir, I would say maybe Black Eagles also. I'll trust your pick because I've I've never met Noir. I think Ugh, I don't know if yeah. my girl. I think she's so. <laughs> I think she's so talented, but I think she's very like ambitious and focused on like her end goal, which is why I say that. Totally, that makes sense. All right, uh, Maribel. I'm gonna say Blue Lions. She like loves rules. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> but she has the arist- aristocracy of the empire. That's my only point of tension. Right, there. right. I'll, I'll try. You both voted blue lines, though. I'll fold. We got to Yeah. I'll okay. keep it quick. <laughs> um, yeah. To be clear, we do have 45 characters. Yeah, yeah. Do. I'll, I'll, I'll restrain uh, myself. Okay. Owen. I think I think Golden Deer. I think he I like think Golden Deer. Deer. I think yeah. he really like has like a hero complex. Okay. Um, yeah, he's like the Raphael, but like through a superhero yeah. filter. Yarne yeah. could go really any way. I I would say probably also Golden Deer. Like he's he's a renegade. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you're right. Severa, I think, is real Black Eagles. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think you're right. I kind of think Morgan is also Black Eagles. I think Blue Lions, honestly, but hmm. I mean, <sighs> I like them as siblings, so maybe they're both in Black Eagles together. Okay, I like let's. I love let's Black talk- Eagles as the picture. Actually, Morgan. Morgan and Lucina, I think, are both Black Eagles. Yeah, I feel Lucina that. as well. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I guess I do. Like Edelgard kind of. Yeah, that makes sense. Here's the thing. I think that like I'm actually not talking like Edelgard, Claude, Dimitri. Like I'm talking about just like. The general, like, mean? Yes. To- no, do you I know get what it. I mean? Like, like nothing to do with what happened in, like, 1085 or whatever the fuck went down <laughs> in that <laughs> monastery in that time. Like, like what was your vibe? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. My, my, my huff was Severa is so Felix that I'm like, mm-hmm. is she actually a blue lion? But I think Black Eagle. But here's the thing. I actually think Felix is, yes. A, yes. is a Black Eagle. Yes. But... <laughs> But he loves Dimitri so much, like against his will, that he's a blue lion. That makes sense. I'm realizing Honestly, how much I care if you about guys, this. If you guys ever wanted to record a podcast solely about Felix, like I would be there. <laughs> I'm into it. Uh, okay, we have the June bonus episode planned already, but July <laughs> we don't have cool. planned yet. Um, Anna, I think, is like actually the only like like I think she doesn't belong. Like ma- like maybe she's Golden still the Deer. merchant. But she just like isn't yeah. in. The well, mix. Anna, Anna's in all the games. I, I do like this game's Anna way more than Three Houses Anna. Oh, yeah. Anna, she, Me yeah. too. I thought yeah. that Three Houses Anna was so forgettable, and this one I'm like, oh, she's got like a Robin Hood yeah. fun energy. But yeah. anyway, I think she's like Golden Deer, if anything, but like mostly nothing. I think she's like a church teacher that you can yeah, recruit, yeah, yeah. but we'll probably miss. Yeah. I would also say Gaius is Golden Deer. Like I think like tricksters are Golden Deer. Yeah, I agree. Robin also like church slash like not in the mix. Yeah, I don't know if Robin counts because they're kind of the byleth. So yeah, yeah um, Sarja is like hardcore Black Eagles to me. Yeah, there's no one easier to class. Yeah, nah, Black Eagles. Yeah, I think so. I think that's right. If um, you're a dragon, Jer- yeah. Jerome Black Eagles. <laughs> Yes, he's Nightwing, yeah. Um, <laughs> Cynthia, hardcore golden deer. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, Pan is actually really interesting. What do you guys think? I think Blue Lions, because I think okay. that she has sort of the, like, I, if golden deer are the tricksters and black eagles are, like, mm-hmm. the troubled misfits, I think yeah. Blue Lions are, like, the sort of, like, rigidly set in their path ones yeah yeah, yeah. And Pan that has right. that yeah and i think sumia belongs in there too yeah sumia has big blue lines energy for sure yeah um henry is definitely black eagle yeah, yeah. he's an he's evil like mage. he's like real chaotic yeah he smiles and talks about murder you're in black eagles i did see okay. him as a bit of a poser and in that way i could see him as a golden deer but i do think i, I do think you're right yeah. Okay. Lauren, I don't know where I put him. I don't care about him enough. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's your it's Brendan's son. 
It's okay. Where would you put Lauren? You know I'm the best. Um, I, I mean, my version of Lauren specifically, I would probably put in Blue Lions. Um, but, yeah. But, like, realistically, I think if you weren't playing him the way that I did, he'd probably be Black Eagles. Word. Um, Cherche, I think, is definitely Blue Lions. Yeah. She, like, has a lot of morals. If you have, like, a big pet, you're in Blue Lions, I think. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, Brady, I think I would put in Black Eagles, but that's my Brady. Brady is kind of like a, like, punk priest. I think he's a Black Eagles, yeah. Yeah. Um. Um, Tiki, who I literally never played ever. Oh, yeah, the dragon person. I think all dragons probably are black eagles by default, but like. Actually, I mean, church more canonically, but. Oh, no, 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 you're totally right. Yeah. Lissa, obviously, uh, blue. blue oh, blue yeah, Lissa screams lions, blue yeah. lions. She's like a net, mm-hmm. kind of. Libra, also blue lion. Like, totally. people who are just like Religious. so like. People who are like, oh my God, like my heart and my like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I love my um, pet. I love going to church. Now we putting in the church. Okay, Muriel, I'm putting in uh, Black Eagles. Yeah, that makes yes. sense. Correct. Lanchu, I think I'm putting in Blue Lions. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Gregor, I think I might put in uh, Golden Deer. Oh, absolutely Golden Deer. Yeah. Like, love like a sort of like, I don't know, he's got chivalry, but like in what direction? We don't know. <laughs> he's also kind of like a merc for hire, and I feel like that has yeah, Golden exactly. Deer energy. Yeah, exactly. Um, Stahl is so boring, I can't even bear to Stahl, put him in a house. So Stahl didn't get accepted into the yeah, academy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's the gatekeeper. <laughs> I'm gonna put. I'm only gonna put Sully and Golden Deer because she reminds me so much of Leonie. <laughs> Virion, I truly couldn't care less. So church. Anyone we don't yeah. care about is in the church. Vir- Virion, <laughs> I would say is is Golden Deer, but honestly, will get accepted into Blue Lions instead. But he belongs in Golden yeah, Deer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna put Vake in Golden Deer for like Raphael purposes, Absolutely. but also like yeah. real boring. Um, Cordelia is super Blue Lions, yes. but like in a in a pejorative way. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rub it in. Also, uh, same with Frederick. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you're so boring that like, where else could you go? Sayri, where do we think Sayri goes? Also, here's the thing. My um my like order is in order of how often I play these people, so I'm like getting. Oh yeah, no worries. I think Sari's a blue lion because she's like very like loyal and Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's right. Donald, I think, could be really anywhere. Golden Deer, because he's again like the rags to riches kind of story. Yeah. Um, Rickon, I think I might put by default in Golden Deer, just like, but I don't care. I think Rickon he's is four lion. years old and needs to like age up before he can even <laughs> right. apply to like, the academy. Like we need to put him in diapers. Okay, cool. And then, oh my God, my literal last guy is Kellum, who I totally forgot. About. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. <laughs> Kellum is actually he's... the dean, uh, but nobody, <laughs> right. nobody realizes. Kellum is like Seth's like. Second in command. Yeah, no, nobody realized that there was a dean. Hanneman is Kellum's great grandson. The second the forgettable genes are rich. Um, that was very fun. Uh, um, thank okay, you guys here, so much for letting me uh, lead that charge. That was incredible. That was great. I loved it. This is this is one that might be over quick, but I'm very curious what you both think in terms of branding the show. Which character is the ITA designated golden child? And mm. they said, I'm assuming Owain, but I'd love to be wrong. But like... oh. I don't think they're wrong, honestly. <laughs> I don't think they're wrong either. I mean, my, my three candidates are Owain, Severa, and Brady. Brady's like mm. a little bit too pathetic for me to want to make a mascot of. Agreed. I, I, I could hear an argument for Severa, but I think Owain is like, would be my natural choice. Yeah. Owain is like, if, if, I think Owain is like, if you let Brendan or I write a character into a Fire Emblem game, right. it would turn out like this. I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> So Wayne is our official mascot. My sword hand twitches. 
Uh, here's a fun one to uh, two to end on, which I think are are good. Matt and Discord. My big question is, what should a three houses only player know going into Awakening? Mm, this that's is a, a good great cap question. on everything. Yeah, I think I can answer that actually. Go um, for it. Yeah, I think you have to go into it like not expecting to have the same like intimate relationships with characters, but also expecting that you're going to be able to like construct new relationships with characters. Like you're going to have to fill in the gaps between like different supports and different sort of relationships. And also that like anything you thought you learned from uh, strategy in three houses is going to have to be amped up to like 11 when you play. Yeah, I, I those those are both. I agree with both those points completely. And uh, yeah, I, I think that honestly sums it up brilliantly. Brenda, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I just think be prepared to um, kind of like go with the flow in terms of what you like about the franchise, because the things that you think you like about it going into or having played Three Houses um, will ebb and flow throughout the course of Awakening, where uh, at least that was my experience was like going into Awakening. I was like, oh, my God, did I only like three houses because of the combat was I actually just like really a fan <laughs> of the like chess aspect of this game um, and then once you hit chapter 10 to chapter 13 it's like oh no I actually really like the relationships between these people it's the, it's the persona angle of this that I'm really connecting with um, but, yeah. but that, that ebbed and flowed throughout the course of my time with Awakening you know like 10 to 15 hours of that game were spent with me being like wow I think it's just the combat that I'm into <laughs> Uh, and and then you know that shifted so then everything yeah. else sneaks up on you yeah and the last question uh, at Kyle Labriola on Twitter what direction would you want the next non remake Fire Emblem to go in would you want mm. it to be as close as possible to Three Houses or is there anything from Awakening or the older games you'd want to see return we've touched on this already but I thought this was a great question to end on kind of sums up like the past and the future I don't love the like creepy eugenics of like you know yeah who should be whose parent but i really do love the mechanic of the children like i think it's really interesting i think it really lends a lot of like i don't know outside influence to like what the game can look like and and sort of like even if you're a new player like oh i i didn't know that like all of a sudden this person could be influenced by this like I, I think I would really like that mechanic to come back if, if they could do it in a way that didn't feel like either super horny or super calculated. <laughs> I totally agree. Right. I, I think the big thing for me is like if you were to take the budget of three houses and take a lot of the ideas from Awakening and like match those two together, I think you'd have like a really interesting game. Specifically thinking like the the kids aspect of things is really cool, specifically because like if you, if you were to take the, the time skip from three houses and like the idea of the kids showing up in paralogs in awakening i would definitely pick the kid showing up in awakening of those two because mm. the kid showing up in awakening like happens as those relationships grow it's not it's not a right. one and done like shocking plot twist it's a thing in which you get rewarded over time for your own investment in those characters right right like you as the player got to contribute to this even if you didn't know you were doing exactly it. i th i think that that constant i think that's a really good point i think Brendan. that constant reward and 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 the growth 
across your playthrough is really, really powerful and really interesting. The only tweak that I would make to both of these games, to both Three Houses and Awakening, that mm. I think would be really interesting, and this is like the most nitpicky shit, but it was, it was the thing that really bothered me, was that when I switch classes with certain characters, their character models would change in game, but that the art <laughs> of them would not change. And I just wish that that would happen. I, I just want to see... That'd be the, fun. I just want to see the characters change, like, in, in terms of the, like, hand-drawn art style that exists to match what I've done to them or to match like their actual character growth in game because like seeing Donald still be like a farmer with a bucket on his head when it oh turns my God, out his th- fucking pot yeah, yeah <laughs> w- w- when it turns out that he's like the most powerful like axe wielding like fighter on a fucking dragon <laughs> in the game for me like was a real bummer I guess um, every once in a while would be like I've grown so much every time he leveled up it's like you actually don't look l- any different than when I met you 15 hours ago <laughs> Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I think um, the one thing I think that there's sort of like a possibility to drill down on for the games is the idea of parting people up, like in both Awakening and Fates, like combining them into a duo, like really means that one person is on the forefront and the other one is like just sort of there and they can like get in a hit every now and then, but they're not getting nearly the same experience. And then then in Three Houses, it's just sort of dropped. Like they do get the hearts if they're near each other, but it's like nowhere near as like as big of a thing like they just sort of will get supports when you play it like yeah. you know without you trying which is fine for that game like it works but I think like right especially because they're like all sort of leveled up like it's not like Marianne's not gonna get one hitted necessarily yeah. but she might get two hitted <laughs> I'm just wondering if there's a way to like combine the activeness of the battalions with right, the right. passiveness of pairing up to like have it be a little bit more exciting because like I, there are some things I think there's like basically my short answer is like going forward I think that three houses should be the new template because I think that like Mm -hmm. making interesting maps is like a pretty easy thing to like add on to that game. It's just like put all these somewhere else. (laughs) Uh, But there are some things like honestly I know you two like battalions. I was not crazy about them. I always found them kind of like hard to understand and like you know it was cool to give a character like a different ability outside of their class but like I just found it like a little bit weird to navigate and I really actively disliked the repair system. Like I always Mm. just bought new weapons because like repairing Mm. them you needed to buy items to repair it and right, right. costing more than anything so I think like keep divine pulse keep the level of writing but maybe like focus on maps and I guess like the thing about Fire Emblem now is like you know again like we're comparing Awakening Three Houses a lot but they both have such different missions that it's hard to say like what the next game should be before I know what the mission is but I do think that there's definitely a way to like kind of reincorporate stuff from Awakening and the older games into like the newer model that will kind mm. of be the best of all worlds yeah Stephen, I think that that like I I really like relate to what you just said and I think I agree with all of that and like the only thing I would add is that I wish that switching between classes was like a little bit more fluid like yeah, it's not totally. to say that I went it's not to say that I wish it were easier but I do think in awakening particularly like it's so annoying to have to like level up to 10 before you even have the option to switch between classes and like I, I think that the the master seal and second seal deal is just like very arcane and very hard to like grok especially if you're like a new player absolutely Um, yeah and i and i do think that like three houses had a little bit more of like a legible system that like was maybe a little more like set in its ways that like once you're on a path you have to continue with that path and i wish it had the flexibility of 
awakening without the like rigidity of awakening if that makes sense yeah i do think i needed three houses to be able to enjoy awakening unfortunately yeah and and frankly i needed to like google some stuff in order to be like oh "Oh, it's actually possible to switch at this point or like i should wait until this point and like i am not someone who really loves to like tap into a guide or like you know get outside help in order to be like oh it turns out that like so-and-so should be, like, downgraded to a mercenary before they're brought up to a level. Right, like, exactly. Like, and, like, that's fine. I'll do it. But, like, I don't know. Again, I'm 31. I have I have things to do. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to have to tap into the headspace that I used to play Dark Souls game to play Fire Emblem. <laughs> right, exactly. But that is sure exactly. what happened while I was playing Awakening. I like that Three Houses lets you just go back to an old class, though, at no cost. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. any class you've done, you can just go back to. Whereas in this, like, if you, like, change someone and you realize you made a mistake, you can't really undo that in a graceful way. You've mm-hmm. got to buy another second seal and then retrain them. Mm. So like, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of good quality life stuff, but I think they can even like, they can do more without trimming down the game at all. Like you can keep all of this as is just to kind of explain it in a different way. Right. Um, and it'd be fine. But yeah, that's, um, those are all the questions. We didn't get to all of them just because I wanted to like keep it concise. And a lot of them kind of overlapped a little bit, but thank you all so much who asked these questions on Twitter and in the discord and via email. Um, it was really fun addressing them. And uh, that I think is it. I know like, this is the episode that should go on forever because of how much fun we're having. But uh, <laughs> I think we should probably wrap up. How do you both feel? Yeah. Yeah, this was, you guys, I would make a whole other podcast about this, but like, this was so fun. Thank uh, you so much for like indulging all of my like pet theories about Fire Emblem Awakening. <laughs> <laughs> Truly appreciate it. I had an incredible time. This is so much fun. Thank you for joining us, Alana. You're welcome on literally anytime when you're done with Dragon Quest yeah. 8. We should all talk about it. Uh, I would listen, love that. Yeah. going on vacation in two weeks, and if I'm not done with Dragon Quest 8 by the end, I will have failed. <laughs> I think you said this, Brendan, but there's definitely a weird relationship between like Dragon Quest Eleven and Dragon Quest Eight alongside Three Houses and mm, Awakening. Absolutely. And like one being this sort of modern gateway and then the other one's like, okay, but this is the next game and then like then you can kind of check out whatever. Yeah. Which is interesting. But yeah, the thing that is really solidified in my mind and I'm so happy to like come to this realization is like up until we like actively revisited this game for this episode, I was kind of content and thinking like Awakening was great at the time. It was my intro, but Three Houses Mm. is so much better. I don't know if I ever really want to go back to Awakening. And now that I have, I'm like, this is a game that I think I'll probably replay like forever you know like i think every every so often i can always go back to it and i'll always have a great time and it's just so nice to like really feel confident in that no i actually feel really grateful that you guys like gave me a reason to continue playing it like i i would have loved it no matter what but now i'm like okay i want to like again like i said with three houses like kind of feel into the corners of where i'm like what does it like feel like to beat the you know lunatic mode what does it Mm. feel like to beat you know on um classic rather than casual like i i kind of want to just like see it to its natural endpoint. so like thank you so much for giving me a reason to do that <laughs> it weirdly does feel a little bit cozier than three houses in a way i like three houses yeah. i think is only less cozy because the story gets so heavy and mm-hmm. and, and this game is just like the story is not as important as the relationships between the characters right like yeah. i mean three houses is literally like do you support the teenager trying to take over the continent or not and like that's a <laughs> fine that's yeah. a fine question but this one is a little more straightforward which is just like how do you pair up the people who you have (laughs) right 
Anyway, I think that's going to be it. Um, again, uh, Alana, thank you for joining us. Hey, those listening, thank you so much. You know the drill. Into the Cast Out Online is our hub for all our pages. If you like the show, sharing with a friend is the best way to help it grow. You can review us on Apple Podcasts. If you're backing the Patreon, well, thank you very much. You allow these bonuses to exist. And that's all I'm going to say, because I think we're all like good. <laughs> it's real late. Hey, Alana, do you have anywhere uh, people yes. should find you? Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter at Alana, A-L-A-N-N-A. Um, and I... I am uh, able to be found at my website, which is vux.com slash the goods, which is all about consumerism and how and why people buy things. So check me out there. Hell yeah. The goods is, I mean, it's great. The goods is great. (laughs) Thank you so much. Much obliged. Sweet. Said Gaius as he leveled up. Yeah. Cool. Hey, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Into the Aether, a low-key video game podcast. Join us, you know, next, uh, we're we're here every Wednesday. Join us next time for uh, another wonderful bonus episode. The next bonus episode is going to be very interesting. I'll say that much. I won't spoil what it is, but uh, goddamn, uh, is it going to be cool? Um, So stay tuned. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.